All right, another episode of The Breckening. I am here with Aaron Ariampour, a uh, fellow uh, comedian who, uh, not, not just a comedian, you are also uh, a graphic designer by trade, uh, voice actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other talents that uh, I've, I'm glossing over? Those are the ones I seem to have monetized. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, everything else has kind of fallen to the wayside. So when I started comedy, which... Maybe like you, uh, we don't have to even try to think about the years because maybe it's just. <laughs> I, I was trying to do it. And oh, right. it, it was hurting my head. So. Yeah, I just I'm like, uh. T- I was noticing we were both uh, grayer around the temples. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been like, a while. So when I started, you were already like you're already like established with you, Paul Varghese. You're kind of like okay, these are the guys that you know. When someone's coming big through coming to town, you're you're fucking featuring for at the at the improv, like you and Paul were always like kind of like all right, these are the guys. Uh, you kind of want to pay attention to and uh and, and so in seeing you like uh, you're you're a family man so you weren't like you didn't like hang out unlike paul <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right 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 you're not closing down the open mic bar until 2 a.m yeah we had very very different yes yeah, yeah. but uh <laughs> so like okay I'm, i've always been curious like when you started uh like where, where did you first like what what got you and just like we're we're just begin with you. Okay. Um, we don't have to. You don't have to think about a particular year. We don't. Uh, need to, <laughs> neither one of us want to do that. I will say that, um, like, I fell in love with stand up at an early early age, and this is going to date me or whatever. Mm. But like in the early days of Comedy Central, when they would have like short attention span theater, mm. um, not Premium Blend, but even before that, even before Premium okay. Blend. I mean, I was watching HBO when I shouldn't have. Okay. You know, they had one night stands. They had, you know, the regular specials and stuff like that. And then um, short attention span theater, uh, it was just rapid fire, clip, 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 mm. you know? And some things you'd Not seen. Not even sets, and, just No. In bits, fact, it would yeah. be like they'd find a theme. Okay. Yeah, you know, today's theme is whatever. And then the next uh, five, you know, segments or, you know, whatever would, would be different takes all on that same topic or whatever. It was just, it was it was fascinating. And so... And also, there wasn't a lot of um, original programming, so they they would play a lot of old stand-up, like uh, mm. specials that you would have seen on HBO or whatever way back in the day, like all the old, uh, old, but like a Robin Williams special, mm. uh, Paula Poundstone special, Richard Lewis. Richard Lewis had a show, uh, A-List, that was later taken mm. over by uh, Jeff Ross. Okay. And so there was constantly like this showcase of... It's like they played clips from like DVDs you could probably still find in this day, probably. I'm, I'm talking about we're, we're talking about like they would pull things from you know A and E used to have Evening at the Improv, and then you would have this random stand-up show on uh, it was Fox or NBC before Saturday Night Live would come on. It was mm-hmm. it, it was just from all over, you know. Um, and, uh, so anyway, and then the Comedy Central presents stuff. Uh, I think it was high school, college. Um, David Tell, Jim Gaffigan, Mitch Hedberg, uh, Geraldo, Patton Oswald, like, like heavy hitters. And by the time I discovered that there was an improv like in the area that you could go to, those were the guys that were coming through. The, oh, yeah. So, you know, I've seen so many different great acts there, and, 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 I, and I love the club, but there's always going to be like this, um, I don't know, uh, heartache but nostalgia for that time where you could just go to the improv yeah 
And any night of the week, you're going to see Greg Giraldo, or you're going to see... That was one of the few times I did that and saw Giraldo. Yes. Uh, and Jerry Rocha was either opening or featuring that time. So I was like, I got to see Jerry too, but I got to see fucking Giraldo. So that's one I was happy to be able to see before he it, it, passed. It, improv, the improv... I had seen a few stand-up like live shows when I was in high school. Um, you know, my dad was... Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say like the most supportive guy or whatever, but if there was an interest, you're like, yeah, let's let's go check out that movie. Let's go check mm. out that show. And he didn't care. He had no filter. So yeah. if it was Braveheart and R-rated, he would take me and my little brother. It didn't matter. Mm. Uh, and then same, we'd go see Penn and Teller. We'd go see Tommy Chong. When, and you'd find oh, out wow. after the fact. This is like when he's first starting to tour as a stand-up and he's figuring things out and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, those are the guys I'd see. Mm. And... Um, this is also where the art kind of comes in. So I, I would go to the improv like as a fan. And the improv, I want to, I guess I hadn't thought about it in these terms before. I had been to the Majestic. I had been to this venue, that venue, whatever. Majestic was my first ever comedy show. Yeah. The improv, you are there. There is no, here's the stage and here's the, the audience. I mean, there's an elevated platform. It is a stage, but it's not... They have to walk that. They have. They have to walk. Fucking Mattel has to walk by you to get on that stage. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And there's this intimacy. There's this immediacy. Yeah. There's this reality that didn't exist. Ceilings before. aren't that high. I mean, it, it, a little yeah, high. It's an but, intimate place. Yeah. I thought you were talking metaphorically for a second. Oh. I was like, wait a second. No. <laughs> um, all of a sudden, these guys that I'd seen on TV, you know, were flesh and blood, like in front. And you were like in the room with the laughter and it's intoxicating. Yeah, those first few times at a comedy club, whether like, and uh, for me, it was after I started doing stand-up where I first like started going to comedy clubs. Like again, my first stand-up show was at the Majestic, so that was a huge thing. That was Hedberg, Attell, and... Uh, Louis Black, I yes. was there. You I were there? I remember that show. That was, did Brendan Schaub open that? Not Brendan Schaub, sorry. Uh, Brendan Walsh opened that. I've asked like... I think some, it was a Houston guy. Okay, I, I don't I've asked who. around, and I remember he had a joke about some kind of wine, and there was like a tag, it's like, blah, blah, wine for her first time. It's the only thing I remember, and I was like, I don't remember that guy's name, one part of the tour, but then those three acts followed, and it was just kind of like, I will, I will tell you, the I'm lucky to remember that much about that first guy. How messed up it was. I, I had assumed, um, you know, that most touring big name acts had an opening act. And then every now and then you would see people come through and you would hear, and here's a local opener. And I, I kind of thought that that's how it would also work. Like if big names came through, then the Majestic would need somebody. Mm. House of Blues would need somebody. And, then, you know, that's not the case. Yeah. I mean, people don't want to risk it. You know, they don't know who's going to be in what market, you know, mm. that kind of thing. But there's a certain um, a naivete where you're just like, oh, maybe I can open one of those yeah. shows, you know, and there were a couple of examples like early on where it's like, I guess that's kind of how it works or it could work. Um, and I'm getting all over the place, but anyway, uh, that's what this is. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, the number of people you talk to are going to bring up Dean Lewis. Mm, and right. so going to the club and seeing the shows and then all of a sudden, sudden seeing flyers that say, Hey, are you interested in this thing? You know, here's a workshop. And so, um, I signed up with a buddy of mine who eventually didn't show up. <laughs> do you, 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 <laughs> wow, didn't get that far. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're like, we're going to do this thing, right? You, me? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then shows up, like, ah, I can't do it. I'm like, ah, you know. You can't even take a class? You okay. can't even take a class. And um, 
sorry, I'm trying to get comfortable. Um, I will say that the workshop within the first few weeks uh, was also one of those kind of like eye-opening experiences where, you know, you grow up and you're either, you know, with funny friends, everybody laughs, or you're the funny friend or whatever. Um, and then to be in a room, and eventually the class size shrinks over mm. the course of the, you know, there's yeah. 20 people first time, and then it winds down to eight, you know, or six or whoever by the last week. Yeah. But I could help. You're getting a little bit more attention from eventually, the right? But that's yeah. also you. You understand that some people are curious, mm. and then they either realize it's there's a lot more thought into it than they realize. There's, you know what I mean? Like it's a it's a bit yeah. more of a um, an endeavor than than just hey, let's spend some fun hours on a Saturday and maybe I'll get on stage, you know? Yeah. Or the reality of actually getting on stage, yeah, because that's also the goal of this class. You learn how you come in with your funny thoughts, and you've had somebody who's been there, who's walked the walk, who goes, "Yeah, that's kind of been done before." I know you're new to it, yeah, but maybe come at it at a different angle. Here's some topics you might want to avoid. Here's some, and 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 I don't, uh, I don't, I think that there was like a, a stigma with comedy classes, like you can't teach somebody to be funny. Yeah, I understand that, but what I'm saying is being in that environment, and people are pitching material and the class is asked to participate. What can we do with this? And I'm not the funniest, fastest guy now where I was used to being yeah. that at the office where I was used to being that, you know, with this circle of In friends school, or whatever. like that. A lot of people, like a lot of people think the class clowns are the stand-up comedians of the world, which I'm like, there's, there's some decent examples of that. You can find many examples of that. But if you start looking into the background of a lot of stand-up comics, you're like, Oh, super quiet. Mm. Like me, I was middle of the road kind of guy. I was surrounded by a bunch of funny friends. Right. We were all funny. Definitely, most were faster and le faster and louder mm. uh, than than me. And so I that's what made me think. I was like, oh, I can never do stand up because it's the loudest and the fastest. Not realizing the the nuts and bolts of what is stand up comedy, a club, how it all operates, and how it's like, oh, the person on stage has a microphone and everybody's there to shut up and listen. The person on stage, the illusion is they're a very witty individual. Mm. You know? Wow, how quick? Yeah. You don't know that they've been working on this stuff for months or years yeah. or whatever. That's why hecklers piss me off because I'm just like, I've been working on this stuff for a long time <laughs> exactly. trying to crap. And you are, mm, you're throwing so many this wrenches at my soul right now. Right. The gears of my soul. <laughs> um, but it was cool being a, all of a sudden, in like in a peer group, people I had never met before, mm. but I instantly connected with. Because oh I, I we we see the world yeah a different way do you know what I mean yeah, we can yeah. get to a punchline a lot of people have trouble identifying a punchline you know they they know that things are funny they know that they laugh but you ask them why and I think that there are a lot of people who flounder in the first few years of standup because either they're not um, self-critical enough or aware enough of the situation or whatever to realize what made the people laugh, whether it was intentional or whatever, and then maximize it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of stumbling, and there's a lot of guesswork, and there's a lot of uh, trial and error. And that's gonna be natural no matter if you've taken a class or not, but the benefit of the class was, um, here's some potential pitfalls, and here's a way to craft material so the audience understands you better. Um, I still remember being inspired by stand-up, you know, b before I tried it. And I was writing it out, and um, 
all my stuff now is uh, notes like this, mm. you know, just uh, indexes and scribbles and bits of dialogue and, you know, whatever. Certain, like, things you, like, I need to say this exact phrase. This or, is, yeah. I want it to come I need out to get to way. here. I need to find a way how. Right. And then build on uh, this, expand on that or whatever. And when I first started writing it, it was like a monologue that was, like, multiple pages. Right? Oh, fuck. That was... It was, I'm like, like, single space. How am I supposed... I was, and I'm like, yeah. I don't have any theater perform experience. I'm like, I don't know how to memorize a script. Why am I writing out a script for myself? But not even a script. It was more like a, I like, damn near wrote out script. Like like a like a um, uh, single spaced like essay, like multiple page paragraphs, mm -hmm. indentations. <laughs> Here's my. I didn't know the words point of view. I didn't know I'm making an argument. Like when you write an essay in school, it's the same idea. Um, you're supposed to come up with a whatever it is, a theme or, you know, for, school asks you to put something together, compare it, contrast it. And then you've got to come up with some sort of, in, in science, whatever, it's hypothesis, I forget what you call it in, yeah. in, when you're writing an essay, but like a theme or whatever. And then you Just follow write, that MLA format. The L, yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then the next few paragraphs are your uh, concrete examples from the text and then your rationale as to how that... Uh, um, proves the argument that you're making, and then you have a conclusion. And it was the same, the same idea, but not realizing that you can do those same kind of things just in smaller, bite-sized ways. Yeah. You know that an audience, particularly drunk, you know, not maybe paying attention, um, laughing at something and then missing the next thing. You like I love remembering that. So I'm just like instead of this word with three or four syllables. Just do the one, the word with one or two syllables. Make it easy for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like you try not to uh, diminish who you are. You don't try to compromise who you are, but you also try to realize that you're sometimes communicating or trying to communicate some, I don't know, heavy thoughts. You know, complicated yeah. emotions to or a broad audience. Whatever to a broad so... audience who doesn't know you. Yeah, and you try to get them all on the same page as quickly as possible. You know. Anyway. Took the class, <laughs> took the class, um, made some really good friends in that class, and we all vowed, all right, let's start doing the open mics. Anyone still around from that particular class? Not here. Oh, okay. No. Hmm. Definitely people who took that class before me, shortly after. Mm. There was like a year or two where um, a lot of those uh, guys and girls, you know, became the regulars at the Backdoor Comedy Club, became the regulars showing up at the improv for this showcase or that showcase yeah. or whatever, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of good people, you know, who, who didn't come through it like a robot. And I think that that's another thing to say about, you know, Dean's class or any class like that. He wasn't trying to make them all Dean clones. Yeah. He was trying to find what was funny about each individual. And there's only so much a class can do. As I said about people, you know, naturally dropping off or not wanting to showcase eventually or whatever. Um, so much of this, and it's it's hard, but so much of this, all of it is self-motivated. And if you don't have the motivation yeah. to write your own stuff or get out there or meet people or try to get on a list for an open mic or get on a stage, no one's going to tap you. No one's going to say, I bet you're really funny. Have you ever thought about stand-up? Do you know what I mean? Mm. And there are too many people like us, too many people around uh, who've been doing this enough, who know how to do this. Um, 
I guess what I'm trying to say is this is something that I'm because you meet so many people um, after shows and whatever who love to tell you, oh man, I am the funny one of the group. Yeah. You know, or somebody, oh, that person should be the comedian. My buddy here, they do. And I tell those people, go to an open mic as fast as you can. And what I want, and that's I, exactly it. And, and, and there's a part of you that's like, listen, if there's any, if there's, if there's a fraction of you that feels like this is something that you wanted to do, something sparks some interest when you were watching television one night, you know, and you're like, God, I wonder what that feels like. I say, <clears throat> sorry, like you owe it to yourself to try. Mm. But as somebody, and I think we can all relate to this, like as somebody who misses sleep, somebody who doesn't make it home whenever they want, somebody who thought they were going to be home by 10, isn't going to make it home until one, uh, jokes didn't work. Like, it's frivolous, yes, it's jokes and whatever, but, you know, it's also how we're dedicating our lives. It's our passion. Yeah. And, and we have the same justification for doing that. Again, you don't, like, want to, like, blow off. You, know, you don't want to explode your family or your job doing the process. But it's, like, it's frivolous, but it's important to you. Same reason anyone does any kind of art. Well, you think a joke. Like, video games aren't necessary, but someone's going to spend a fuck, time, a fuck long time programming something, mm-hmm. you know, Pong, you know, Pong, Tetris, something like that is, and other people are going to find a value in that. And a, a, a joke itself may or may not be frivolous, right? And I don't want to get too sanctimonious or whatever. Oh, please. Making somebody happy, though, yeah. is a really good thing. And having moments on stage where you feel heard, like when something really connects. And you're just like, I thought I was the only one who felt like this. Or I was going through something so frustrating and it feels so good to not just get it off my chest, mm. but to have it be received. So for, for, for bearing your soul and people loving it and clapping for you and, 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 and whooping for you, you know, that, like, I wish that feeling on anybody pursuing anything, like mm. on your best day at the office. Feeling that validated. You probably won't get a standing ovation, but uh, you'll get something. Some kind of praise from a superior. <laughs> That'll so hopefully I, feel like that. I see it as a win win, hmm. right? You're 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 developing stuff that hopefully makes people happy. And by sharing that stuff, and if it's authentic to you, it's satisfying. And why wouldn't you pursue that? You know, why wouldn't you go all yeah. in? And in a split second after a show, you're shaking hands and you're smiling, you're having these conversations. What you want to say to these guys is, uh, uh, yeah, you could have, but you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> yeah. And I'm telling you now, they're open mics, just like you said. Any night of the week, I, go check I it out. I say the open mic thing just to, because uh, I like, I look at open mics as the great regulator. Mm-hmm. As Because uh, <laughs> you, you have the people that's like, I could do that. And it's just like, please just go on stage. And feel the fear, and know, like, put yourself in the pl- in your place. Well, and just realize, no, you can't do this. You just you have delusions of grandeur. It's like I, I never, when I started watching stand up, I never thought I could do it. It took a, it took my best friend, you know, while we were just smoking a lot of weed for a long time. But he was just like, we should go to a comedy open mic, mm-hmm. and I had no idea that's how stand up com- comedians started. Right, I didn't know. Oh, that's where you go to try out things. And then I, we did our first one, backdoor, yeah, Ross location. Ti- I I've never been to New York, but it was that that location was so tiny and narrow and compact, yeah. And it was just like you had to like squeeze through to get to 
the 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 small you know uh, you know the seated area and the, and it was just kind of like this is I was like this feels like a legit everything club. was cramped there were yeah. stairs poor Linda kept hitting her forehead every time she tried to duck <laughs> uh, I may have too but um, but, but never there was like a space under the stairs where you can yeah. kind of like watch the show or give the light and like even and the sound guy I remember the sound sound guy was just really cramped underneath yeah, there yeah 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 it was so wonderful but, and. I remember going up there and my hand was just shaking. Yeah. I, w- I got out what I wanted to say without mumbling, really, because I really went over what I wanted to do. But this part was my hand was just shaking nonstop. Yeah. But then I got that taste and I was just kind of like, oh, the more I, I can be better at this, the more I just have to keep doing it. This is it, yeah. it's a victory. It's a little victory. And I mean, him were the last two that went up. That's how it goes. I wish I still had that picture. Uh, it's um, it's also funny because when you take the class, um. And in, in this instance, what they did was there was a showcase on a Wednesday, you know, an off night. And that was the other thing about the improv. And it's the business. It comes and goes and things like that. But there was something every night. Headliners would come in. And unless they were like a really big name, whatever, it was usually like a Wednesday night through Sunday night engagement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of shows. And then if they were on, there was something Sunday night, Monday night, a special theme night, radio station, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. There was like always something. So... This showcase, everybody in the class, of course, invites all their friends, right? The club gets to sell drinks. It's your graduation. Whatever. Show. And and your friends who are like, you know, I always thought you were funny, but wow. <laughs> it's, but it's also the most welcoming environment because you're. it's not a contest. Your, your crowd is there to hopefully cheer on everybody. Um, if you don't fall on your face, it looks like a wild success. You know, it's a bucket list thing. Yeah. And, and your friends are like, I can't believe they did it. You know, whatever. And you come off after four minutes going, I can do this. I, yeah. I, this is the first step on a great. And then the next step are the open mics. <laughs> and, and, and having, having a Wednesday night where you're all set up and your friends are in the odd. And now all of a, all of a sudden it's a very solitary affair. During the class, were you advised to go to open mics? No, or no? we were okay. advised not. I've always been curious about that. Right. They want, at least with Dean, he wanted you to go through the class and then be thrown to the open mic. The the wolves that is the the open mic. I can respect that because you know the environment may be intimidating, but at the same time too, there are a lot of uh, good, bad, whatever. There are a lot of habits you can pick up at an open mic. Mm. Um, it's been my experience, you know, when I've gone to a, a few or just meet up people, you know, with people or whatever like that, there was always seems to be like a pack and it comes and goes year to year or whatever mm-hmm. like that, but a pack that seems to go, uh, uh, from open mic to open mic and then there'll be a dominant voice and eventually some of those other people start sounding an awful lot like that dominant mm-hmm. voice. Yeah. Um, there are people who, and especially for somebody who's never done it you may go, well, why does it have to be clean? I'm a big Bill Hicks fan. Yeah. You know, why does it have to be, uh, D- Dean's thing was like no stories. Well, you're only doing four minutes. You know, yeah. what kind of story can you get through? How many stories can you get through? Yeah. A lot of things that make sense, but you have this vision. Oh, I can, and so you go to an open mic where it's the Wild West and you're seeing somebody up there who's doing every filthy thing, who's, you know, whatever. Especially and, like in, almost like in a, in a quasi like one-liner format too, because maybe you've, you got all these things you want to get out. Yeah. You know. well, but just I'm watching it mm. and you're picking up and then you go right back to class and you're like, I want to do this thing. Like so-and-so can do it. Why can't I? And it, mm. it can derail, you know, whatever. I can I can appreciate that. As far as understanding how stand-up works, there's no better educator than open mics. 
So taking a class is kind of like going to basic training while uh, the way I went, it's kind of like joining a militia. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, it's kind of freewheeling. You can do what you want. Uh, Really, there's no centralized authority. Have have fun. (laughs) That and that was my I was just kind of like, and again, just being my my younger, sheer ignorant self and just again. Yeah, there are, you know, you can have some valid complaints about comedy classes, but there are like if you if you don't think about what exactly goes through and what happens and if you haven't taken one yourself, yeah, it's easy to dump and shit on something like that. It's right. like, oh, they're just scamming you for money. I'm like, well, there are, and, but that's what sucks. There are people that teach comedy classes that probably shouldn't, right. but then there are that should. And But as a dumb, young, ignorant comic, it's easy to be like, my rationale for never taking a class was like, well, I'm just going to, the money I can save, I'm just going to go spend on bar tabs at all these open mics at all these bars and just learn the school of hard knocks way, which, yeah. you know, can be good or bad or, you know, a mix of I, uh, shit, really. I'd been teaching a class on and off myself, you know, for a few years. Um, not often, but every now and then. And the last one I taught, there was one guy. And I haven't been this frustrated in a long time. <laughs> you know, after years of just feeling... Um, exhausted from uh, anger. I, I, I wouldn't call it a Zen place, but it's definitely a, I'm too tired to be angry. Yeah. So go just do you. <laughs> uh, but anything I would tell him. Yeah, right. Fuck me in my experience. Yeah, go there ahead. Was yeah. Nothing, there was nothing I could tell this guy. And I would have questions for him and he couldn't answer them. Or in class, it, and I don't want to say this is the way to say it. I do want to say, that's an interesting point. I'm not understanding it help me understand because i'm not the brightest guy but i'm not a dumb guy i'd like to think then for i can gauge what an average audience may or may not not just laugh at but understand yeah if they don't get the reference they're not going to laugh oh it's good and then sure enough he did the showcase without any of the notes and bombed Mm. like didn't bomb you know but definitely felt the silence a few places um, he got some good laughs, but in a few places where it's just like, he looks surprised. Mm. And I wanted to tell him, like, buddy, we've talked about this. I tried to prevent that from happening. We talked you about this. <laughs> and uh, to his credit, he, he, um, you know, he emailed me afterwards and kind of said, yeah, I probably should have listened to da-da-da-da-da. In my mind at the time, I was like, well, this is too little, too late. But yeah, no refunds. But, but yeah, <laughs> but, but there is a certain amount of, I'm never going to know how everybody can be funny. It's just years of being in front of so many different types of people. There's a certain gauge, I guess, Mm. as to what might hit, might not hit. Does that make sense? Mm. Like, it's not right or wrong. It's just you want to be more successful at it, you know? So... Yeah, if you want other comedians to be successful, God, you gotta. <laughs> it, it, there, that that's a whole complicated why, issue. Why too. are you why are you hurting all of us and trying to make us all work harder by introducing more competition into the field, Aaron? God, uh, I will say uh, that that's my main complaint of comedy classes. I'm just kind of like you're enriching yourself by bidding, make putting out more competition in the field. <laughs> how about this then? I've like, seen so many shows. Like, it, I don't know about you, but I can't watch stand up on I can, like. I don't want to sit down on I the couch watch stand up and like, watch stand up anymore. Yeah, I'd rather see it live. <laughs> I've seen it live 
so much yeah. and I've had my, and I think about it so much that I had my fill. So even when they say, oh, here's this great special, you got to see it. I usually wait a couple of days after the initial social media. Oh, my God, this oh, is the most amazing I thing ever. I can wait a few months, maybe a few years. But I'll wait to see, you know, what sticks, what dies down. And oftentimes a lot of things die down. And, you know, I still have my favorites and I'll, I'll watch things every now and then. Um, I forgot where we were going with that one. I forgot. Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter. Na- oh, live stand-up. I've seen oh, so yeah. much stand-up. Yeah. There's a part of me that just wants better stand-up in the world. Oh, no, I can see that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, the original, the open mics I would go to, I don't know why I was I was thinking about this stuff. I was meeting some people from way back when, and I guess it brought back some memories. It's just the number of characters you will meet at an open mic mm. will be eye-opening. So it's like if you've lived this shelter life and you don't know that many people, all of a sudden you're going to be in a mix of a lot of different type of people from a lot of different type of backgrounds, all sorts of different um, religions, ethnicities, whatever, but also different levels of sanity. sanity. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Minus the the sanity part, everything you mentioned before, that's one of my favorite things. It's amazing, isn't it? uh, uh, Like a a Pung pung Dang. Uh, Like, you know, for, you know, well, before all the Tony Hinchcliffe stuff, uh, like I just loved, you know, uh, talking to the guy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know, just it. I was I was last night last night um, at an open mic and talking to uh, a couple people running mics, and this guy was there and brought the pung dang thought. I'm just kind of like, you know what thing you know what pisses me off about all this? They're not even pronouncing his fucking name right. I've talked to the guy; he's my buddy. It's it's not ping. Da- it's Peng Dang. Right. And if you talk to the guy, you know that. You also know that he's from Western China, and you know the traditional Han Chinese. There, he's a minority in his place because he's surrounded by all these Turkic Muslims. Oh, but nobody knew that because they don't fucking know the guy. And but like that's you know, <laughs> that's well, what I like because you know talking to him. Yeah. You know, like he went to college in Alabama. Yeah. Like, yeah, and that's one thing you know. And he's he's a great example of all the different types of people you can meet. Then there's also the legit psychos that mm-hmm, you're just mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, fuck, I have to deal with you right now. Uh, oh, not shit. only do I have to deal with you, I have to wait for you to go on before I get. Oh, uh, like <laughs> you're going to walk the paltry crowd at this open mic. And because, you know, you're lucky if there's a crowd at an open mic. Right. Let alone one that pays attention enough. And luckily I was at one of those last night. The other one. Meh. Yeah. But the other one was kind of like. All right, this is a crowd at a the Twilight Lounge in Fort Worth, mm. and you know Mana, you know, has been running that for years, and you know it's it, it's a great open like it's one of the few non comedy club open mics that there's a crowd and they pay attention, and also Mana uh, runs runs that shit not with like an iron fist, but like a, a comedic iron fist to where you're just kind of like don't piss her off. This is a great. This is a great place for an open mic. We have a good crowd here. Don't fuck around. And that, you, like, I want to need that. You yeah. need that. You don't need a tyrant necessarily. But there's what too I, many of the open mics where it's just kind of like nobody's there. Nobody gives a shit. Why well, I'm here? Yeah. Might as well go up and you know do something. Right. Might as well have some drinks and go and fuck around or something. It is amazing that kind of mindset. Like treat it professionally. Yeah. People act professionally. All of a sudden they're getting work. Do you now know if nobody's I mean? there, then I'm not. I'm not going to give a shit. But <laughs> I. Uh, I'm I, like, hey, I bought some drinks from the bar. I did my financial part of the bargain. Right. I'm gonna go up there and entertain the five comics and the two people two drunk people that for some reason are sitting through this sometimes that's all you can do is yeah. make the best of and the it's evening. just kind of like yeah i'm like i drove here i oh, i got a bar tab right fucking i'm gonna stay and do what i came here to do 
But then at least you know there's like the Twilight Lounge open mics out there. You're just like, no, that's the one that's fun to actually perform at. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you learn that. You learn where to go. Um, uh, You try different stages. Um, It's all kind of an adventure at first. You you take road trips before you you know better, you know, um, (laughs) because there's an audition for a different open mic or whatever it is. And it's like, you can't get on the open mic here, but I'll get on the open mic in Shreveport or wherever. You know what I mean? It's early, early on, you you seek it out, Hmm. you know. Um, uh, It can be really, really exciting. It can also be... um, I don't know, uh, daunting, which is why I see, you know, people don't stick with it, you know. Um, the open mic thing, I wanted to go back to it. There also becomes a difference between realizing what a comedy club is, how, you know, for better or worse, whatever, most part, they the seats are all facing the right direction, you know, not a theater. <laughs> no uh, chairs have swivels on them, there's no TVs with and then you do on. open mics and it's like, hey, it's a Monday night open mic and then Monday night football. All right, let's yeah. turn off the TV. And you're like, everybody in there is just mad at you. <laughs> you know, so it's just, so, Oh, yeah. You know, so now uh, you're, you're working against active hostility. Yeah. It's not that we are interrupting this person's regular Monday night, which for 16 plus weeks out, weeks out of the year is involved, yeah. involves football. Yeah. No, like they're still here in May. Yeah. On this Monday night, probably not as pissed that we're here. Right. Want to tell these jokes. guys again. October, yeah. different story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the. Like, I'm the slash tires. Yeah. If these comics come around here again. But uh, so when did like so have you always been? I'm hopefully bring all this together. Have you always been an artist? Because that's one thing that is. Yeah, and actually, this is uh, I forgot to bring this up because. Um, I would draw as a kid, mm. um, doodles, cartoons, I would put my own comic book together, uh, stuff like that, and uh, try to do political cartoons before I, I could read. You know, Doonesbury, uh, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> well, I grew up a huge fan of... I'm more um, of a Dagwood guy myself. Uh, Farside mm. and um, uh, Bloom County and Calvin But the one with the Hobbs. duck and the uh, tree. Penguin. Penguin. It's a penguin. Okay. I, there's oh you, uh, yeah I know what you're talking about shoes oh. yes shoes dude I so my dad huge crossword guy okay and so I had to wait for him to get done with the crossword and I would eat up the vast majority of those comic strips yeah yeah uh, the, your uh, your apartment three G uh, your single Sally Fourth no yeah your ones that wanted to tell some kind of drama or something I'm just kind of like no I want I want funny in three panels goddamn it and you know. There like you go. Foxtrot was like my favorite one, but uh, uh, comic strips because I've tried dabbling in that. Damn, yeah. Well, and, I, I know, and, I know what you're saying. <laughs> and, and with stand-up, um, it's joke structure. Yeah. Do you know? And the economy of words on stand-up in stand-up, it's the exact same mm-hmm. in a comic strip. You can't have a balloon and all this dialogue. You know, somebody oh, talking. Some comic strips do. They try. <laughs> And you're like, oh, you're one of the preachy ones. But Next. some of the best, some of Let's the best. See what Curtis and family are up to. But not even the ones that are in the, um, in you know the, the the comic pages anymore. But like, uh, you know, the oatmeal or whatever that's all, you know only digital. Um, they don't have to be. It doesn't have to be fantastic art. The joke, yeah, it's super simple. 
uh, artwork, super simple conveyance of message, whatever, but it's funny and it hits, you know. Uh, I was also a big fan of Mad Magazine, you know, starting like third grade, fourth grade or whatever. So I would always draw, um, you know, members of the family and stuff like that. And um, I started drawing uh, celebrities uh, because I would want to, but now Mad Magazine kind of gave me kind of a, almost a template or a, like like seeing stand-up live, there's a click moment where you're like, oh, I didn't know that that was possible. So like looking in Mad Magazine, you see a caricature of like Michael Keaton or, you know, uh, Clint Eastwood or whatever, you're like that, and it's from a different angle. It's not yeah. just like this front, you're like, oh, so somebody can blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden I became fascinated with drawing you could draw somebody and accentuate these features. Right. Yeah. And, you know, but it was also very dynamic. It wasn't just flat. And so as a, as an elementary schooler, you could draw a person wearing a Ghostbuster, you know, outfit and very clearly, you know, oh, this is a Ghostbuster, you know. Um, but it was important to me that uh, you could tell which one, mm. that this was a Bill Murray or oh, this okay. was a, yeah. a Dan Aykroyd, that it was... You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't interested in drawing a cartoon of a Ghostbuster. I was, I was interested in drawing uh, Bill Murray, you know, that kind of thing. Um, when I was in high school and I was mentioning, you know, going to some of those shows like Penn and Teller at the Majestic or Tommy Chong, one of the things I'd always would do before was draw a portrait or a picture of who we were going to see on the off chance oh. we might meet them and we'd... Uh, you know, maybe I could get an autograph or maybe I could, you know, whatever. And um, it it worked right away. Uh, I found out this is how different the world is, you know. Um, you know, because I'm going to go see somebody. I can pull up a picture on my phone and I can get to work on my sketch book. And then I can take the, the sketch and I can uh, uh, airdrop it into my computer and I can clean it all up and all this kind of stuff. Uh, high school, I remember going to a library getting a newspaper from the library because it had the ad and had a photo. Oh, okay. Making a yeah. photocopy of Penn and Teller, drawing <laughs> it from that. And I had it with me. So I'm sitting there in my seat in the Majestic and it's under the seat and whatever. And they put on this amazing show. I'm like 15, 16. And the the big finale is they do this uh, striptease slash the idea of a magician revealing that they have nothing under their sleeves. And so this whole show, you know, they've mesmerized you with their magic, but everybody knows Penn and Teller. They yeah. also do a great job of showing you how they do the trick. Like they make that as much a part of it sometimes hmm. uh, and have fun with that as well. And then somehow do a whole other illusion where it's like, we, th you know, you thought we showed you how we did it. That's like the ultimate misdirect. I love it. Like, so, uh, their stuff also always included hanging upside down or nail guns or fake blood or something, right? And so the striptease was done behind a screen, behind a, a white sheet, and it was projected from the back and you saw their silhouette and they're removing shirts and they're removing, you know, all this kind of stuff and they're working in shadow and there's all this spurting blood, oh, stage okay. blood just like going <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> And you're wondering where are the squibs, where's the pack, yeah. where's this, where's that, whatever. And so it ends basically with them drenched in stage blood 
And um, they start wearing a, it's almost like a, an oversized pillowcase with the hole cut out. You know what I mean? It was, mm. it was, they're wearing almost nothing. And they go, all right, guys, well, I, let me back up. They have a, I'm remembering it now, they have an intermission, which, again, mm. for a, a stand-up show after all this time seems weird. But for the stand-up show, uh, stand-up show, for the intermission, it ends with Teller, uh, drowning in the water tank and <laughs> Penn leaving the stage for him to die, right? Yeah. And oh. Penn goes, uh, all right, guys, that's the, da -da -da -da, and we're taking a quick break and I'll see you out there. And I'm going to come out there to you. Whatever. And he comes out through the, the audience. Oh. And, you know, uh, I was talking about that immediacy, that intimacy earlier. Mm -hmm. You're watching somebody in your seat and you're up, you know, they're up on a stage and all of a sudden they're coming up an aisle and you're like, oh, whatever. You're not supposed to be off the stage. What's going on? I got up and I chased him out of there. It's intermission time. People are going to get up anyway. Yeah. And he's just standing at the bar, <laughs> like waiting because he knows that people are going to mill about. Okay. Yeah. And I go, oh, Mr. Gillette, I drew this picture. I'm really loving the show. He goes, You did the, the whole thing. You know, oh, this is great. Look, I'm not signing anything now. Find me after the show. So I, now I go back yeah. to my seat, and then my dad, did he sign it? He said, he said after the show. It's it bullshit, but we'll see. Um, so uh, after the show, they do the whole you know bloody striptease, whatever, and they both come out through the audience, and now they're in the lobby shaking hands, meeting people, signing autographs. And that's where I got to go reintroduce myself. And um, I still have it. They signed it. And it still has um, smears of stage blood on it. It's this awesome Perfect. black and white cartoon. Yeah. Penn took his thumbprint or his pinky, big, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's right on his forehead, like on the drawing in blood. And I just, I love that, you know? Oh. So um, it became almost a, tr a tradition where I'm going to see if I can do it, see if I can meet him. And when I went to the improv, there was David Tell. Go meet David Tell. Have him sign it. Go meet Pablo Francisco. Go meet Mitch Hedberg. Go meet, you know, and... It was my way of meeting the staff at the improv before I was ever a stand-up. Damn, okay. I'm sitting at my table. I'm like, I don't know if he's going to stay after the show, but uh, do you think so-and-so could sign blah, blah, blah? Oh, they'll sign after the show. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Sometimes it'll be, can I hold, can I see this? I'm like, yeah, all right. I'm sitting waiting for the show to start. You know, the opener hasn't even started yet. And um, you know, a manager or somebody like that says, hey, so-and-so wants to meet you in the back. And like all of a sudden without having set, set foot on stage yet, haven't told one joke, I'm now, <laughs> to pull the curtain back, backstage at the improv at the time yeah. was not <laughs> this magical Hollywood realm that you may imagine, you know? Uh, but you're in the office now, and you're shaking hands now, and you're having a conversation now. And it was it was awesome. It was It was a way to, I don't know, not necessarily be memorable to them, but I thought, kind of show an appreciation, like instead of just, because I've met a lot of different people since then and I still have this attitude about it where it's like, I'm sure they get hounded by autograph collectors or whatever. Um, did you see the thing I posted way back when about um, Aaron Eckhart, Two-Face? Uh, I remember, I definitely remember the picture. So, uh. so, so that was a, a similar story, but it's all these years later. I was doing this thing as a teenager and then I'm still doing this thing in my 30s, you know, 40s or whatever. Uh, I was I was taking a trip out to L.A. Uh, a couple of years ago. I was going to, A.G., mm. you remember yeah, A.G.? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
and we were working on a project. He's one of the rare people that occasionally likes something I do on Twitter. <laughs> but we were going to work on something together. It was a comic strip, oddly enough, that I'd put together. It was something I'd worked on in high school, college. One of the other times I was in L.A., we were bullshitting, and he decided to run with it, made a lot of changes, and wrote a pilot script for it. They sent it to me. I was like, holy crap. You know, like, whatever. And so we went out there to work on it together. And um, there are moments where you're like, I'm doing it. This is, things are going to happen. Yeah. You know, but it's like that throughout all of stand up. Um, this is the pilot. This is the one. This is the one. <laughs> from the airport, he had to go to a friend's house. And this guy was a big name screenwriter. And I don't want to, whatever, but like a big name screenwriter. And his wife is an actress. I'm in L.A. this time, you know, and I've slept on couches and all this kind of stuff. I've slept on air mattresses and whatever. But now all of a sudden from the airport, I'm working on this one thing with a buddy of mine. And the first stop is that we're going to go to this condo in Beverly Hills and they're going to work on something. And while they're there, I'm going to be on my laptop clicking away and sketching some characters, I, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was wild. It was absolutely wild. Um, I'll tell you something about it after. I don't know if I want to. Anyway, on the flight there. I see what a guy that looks like Aaron Eckhart just standing, like just ready to board. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> like, is, is that Two Face? Yeah. I think that's Two Face. <laughs> and I thought, you know, it would be great if I did one of those things. Let me find a picture of, you know, Harvey Dent, you know, online real quick. I'll see if I can draw it on the plane. Maybe I can meet him. Maybe he'll autograph it or whatever. Mm. Um, while I'm kind of thinking about that and managing my bags, I see Caroline Ray's also on this flight. Mm. And I grew up a fan of hers as well. You can't grow up watching the stuff I watched and not see these people. You know what I mean? And just go, oh, she's really funny. This person's great. And so I don't know why. Maybe because I was going to L.A. to work on something. Uh, I had the balls to just like, hey, Caroline, how are you doing? Uh, I'm a comedian too. How are you? <laughs> and... Um, and uh, she was very pleasant. And uh, I was like, so what are you doing in town? She's like, oh, I had a corporate gig last night. And I was like, oh, how'd that go? I had a, a really shitty ca- a casino gig uh, last night. It was a terrible. And she goes, oh, it's terrible. I was like, who was it with? And she goes, I'm not telling you that. Like, it was awesome. It was... <laughs> and so I was psyched that Caroline Ray was on the flight. And I have these digital download cards for my album. And you have all these fantasies of this is how it happens. You never know who yeah, you yeah, meet. Yeah. You never know. So I draw Harvey Dent Two-Face, like, on the the drink tray, you know, and I'm getting it all done. I'm pretty excited about it. And the whole time, too, I'm thinking, how do I get to Caroline Ray? How do I get my album to Caroline Ray? How do I, you know, whatever. Flight lands, plane lands. She books it, and I can't catch her. You know what I mean? She's got her, she was in town for that one <laughs> shitty corporate gig. If I pulled gig. up my download card to a tiny airplane, yeah, just throw it. You know, whatever. lands her luggage. Um, so... I, I'm chasing down Caroline Ray, I think, you know what I mean? But she's, <laughs> I think, <laughs> but she's gone. Right. But before I know it, I'm at baggage claim and there's Aaron Eckhart, just no entourage. Are no you security. sure it's him by now? By now I'm kind of like, here's yeah. the thing. I'm like 98% sure. And if not, yeah. you know, this guy's going to be impressed with this drawing I did of Harvey. Yeah. Anyway, so whatever. <laughs> And there's sorry, this, celebrity lookalike. What do you think of my art? This, this look on his face where, I realize um, 
one of the reasons why I like doing this because I love that movie and I love his performance in it. And I think he's a great actor. So I would have, you know what I mean? Something right. I would have maybe eventually drawn oh, out. Yeah, but thank you for smoking. I fucking love that. It, movie, it, yeah. So um, I have my sketch pad and I'm approaching him. And this look of like, here we go again. Because I'm sure he is so used to a lot of guys that look like me <laughs> coming up to him with whatever scrap of paper they have. And they go, hey, you know, Harvey Dent, will you sign this? You know, I believe in Harvey Dent, you know, yeah. and then sell it on eBay or whatever. When he sees that it's a drawing of him, there's a, an immediate relaxation. Um it could also be really creepy, I guess, in retrospect. Like, uh, you know, um, like, oh, here's a psycho. Like, oh, here's a really talented psycho. I knew psycho. you were going to be on your plane. I decided <laughs> to draw this. You know, whatever. Uh, but no, I just laid it in. I was like, hey, I saw you at the gate, and I thought, why not? I drew the, you did this on the plane? I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of. That's a decent, yeah. like, that's a decent area. <laughs> Every now and then something slips out. What did I do the other night that, that scared the hell out of me? There was, oh, I, I did a Danny Trejo. I was telling a Danny Trejo story. And then, and then all of a sudden I did a, you know, I just like, a, <laughs> like you know, don't tell me that jail is not a, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, and as it was coming out, I was like, oh, wow, that's fun. I can add a Danny Trejo. Um, but he was like super cool and relaxed about it. And then I was like, um, yeah, I, I kind of do this thing if you'd sign it, whatever. My oh, name, and by the way. My name's Aaron, too. But that's a thing. Oh, okay. I, oh, I give him, I, I, since Caroline Ray's not around, I give oh. him my card. Yeah. My the, the album. And he goes, Aaron. <laughs> and then he puts it in his pocket. And then, and then I was like, all right, cool. And then we still had to wait forever for the luggage. Mm. And by then, everybody's milling around. And nobody else bothered him. Oh, like, really? Nobody oh. else Wait, you know, this is when you landed in L.A.? We were in L.A. and everybody okay. was waiting for his luggage. Wait, and he and where'd you leave from? Was here. It, oh, here. Oh, yeah, so yeah. he was here. Yeah. Okay, okay. He was here for some reason. I oh. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've seen so many random people, flights between here and California. And one of my favorites ever was, um, this is years and years ago, but Terry Bradshaw oh, okay. was, was on the flight. In our house, he's referred to as Uncle Terry. Yeah. So... Um, this is also back before every seat had. I feel so old telling these stories. <laughs> Did you know you could smoke on planes? <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, before everybody had their individual screen or whatever, and they'd have the thing pop down, and everybody watched the same, you know, crappy NBC show or the same movie. Terry Bradshaw's in first uh, class, and they play uh, Failure to Launch, which is oh, and he's he's I the dad. Seen it, but I'd, yeah. I would I would never have seen it had they not played it on this plane. Yeah. And they only played it because he was on there. He might <laughs> I'm sure he brought his copy with him. You know what I mean? <laughs> like hey, just in case we don't have any you know. pops to the cockpit. Hey, uh I got this on me in case you wanna, you know. <laughs> so the premise is Matthew McConaughey. McCathy, Matthew McConaughey is gonna get it. Um won't settle down, won't leave of the course. house. Classic McConaughey. Right. And his parents are played by Kathy Bates and Terry Bradshaw. And uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is the, I don't know what she is. She's a professional but not a prostitute who officially goes on relationships with men or breaks up with men. I don't know what, I don't remember. It's been a while. Um, but when he finally does move out, the kid finally moves out. Kid, you know, 30, 40, whatever. 
uh, they decide to turn his room into like a naked room. And so there's Terry Bradshaw walking around. And it's on a plane, so they, you know, edit and all that kind of oh, stuff. Okay. But it's a very naked Terry Bradshaw still. And you can see the whole plane is just like leaning into the aisle. <laughs> just to kind of get a, a look on his face to see if he's watching himself. And it's just wild. It was fun. Damn. Yeah. So I, uh, I would assume that uh, with you know, social media and everything. So you like, you know, you post these, uh, like well, probably the most recent one, at least I've seen was a uh, Conan because you know, him, him doing his send off and everything. You're able to post these things online. Have you, since, you know, whenever you started doing that, not the in-person thing, which I mean, you can easily pull that up now, but so like what, what kind of reactions have you gotten from like, just Put online, like, here's just, like, a tribute to, for whatever reason, something you're working on. There have been a a few cool things. You can post it online, and then it's available for the world to see, and specifically the person, the the subject. So over the years, I guess back to the earlier point, too, is, like, it felt like when I was meeting these comedians for the first time, I wasn't just asking for something. I was also kind of, like, in my weird way, proving that I was a fan or proving that you know I cared enough about them to spend time with their face. I didn't just convince my dad to buy it, buy his tickets. Right, I did and, this for you. And sometimes they can be a real commitment, you know. And I, I, I scrap a lot. And that Conan one, um, it's weird for me because uh, over the years too, if there are subjects I like, movies, uh, celebrities, whatever. Something that's also come up is kind of like obituary type tributes where it's like if somebody big has passed, maybe I draw them too, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. It marks something. But um, it's been such a weird year. We haven't really talked about that at all. But um, the drawing has was always a way to, I guess, soothe myself or meditate. Um, it can be fun, but it can also be um, very focused, if that makes sense. So, again, it's like if I don't want to get bored with something really quick, I have to really like it and want to kind of see it through. And I hadn't done anything like that for myself in a long time. I think I was used to drawing something like that once a week, a couple times a week. And then um, I didn't feel the need to do anything like that. I mean, I was, I've was i been drawing and I've been working on freelance graphics and I've been working on stuff here and there and all that. I mean, it's, it's, it's always there. But I'm talking about like for my own enjoyment or my own expression or whatever I drew something in Christmas at Christmas I drew Ralphie from a Christmas story mm. and then it had occurred to me I hadn't drawn anything like that in months and months and months um, Conan winding down and seeing social media tributes and stuff like that there's a number of people you and I both know you know who were on the show and you know they're posting pictures of them yeah, af- yeah. A- as they finish their set and Conan shaking their hand and there's a. Um, I love all the, like oh, it was you know great to say that like Jerry Roach is on there, Shane Torres, uh, uh, Cristela Alonso, so many people. Uh, Ray Harrington, who I had at Mass come through one time, uh, you know, and yeah, yeah. Uh, he was on there, and I love that. It's like you know people we know that did that. I know there's a lot of people. I, I'm not deluded enough to be like I never got on Conan. I've never worked anywhere close to that hard. But I love all the people that are. We know that there are people just like never fucking got on Conan. Well, <laughs> I'm kind of, I was kind of like that. Uh, there, there were a number of shows over the years where if it hadn't come close, it felt like it came close. Mm. Um, Conan, no, not, not close at all, but sorry, definitely one of the guys I enjoyed watching. Um, oh, yeah. 
over the years there have been um, shows that I've actually been a fan of. So um, not to say that I'm whatever. I don't want to be diplomatic here, but I'm just saying like I was a Letterman guy and then him leaving was kind of like devastating because he was somebody I grew up watching in school and thinking that it would be so great to get on that. Mm-hmm. And then when that chapter closes, you're like, that, that's closed forever. Yeah. There's not another Letterman. Um, Conan is very similar. Like it, It'd be great to get on a late night show and I'm never going to turn it down. I'm never going to disparage any whatever yeah. like that. But you know how it is like when you grow up a fan of something, certain things would mean more to you, right? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I'm seeing everybody post that and all that kind of stuff and I'm realizing I want to say something and I don't want to just post some lengthy Facebook, you know, whatever thing like that. And I feel like drawing. I feel like and I hadn't felt that in a while and that was a good feeling. Um. But it, it it occurred to me that there there's not a week where I don't pull up a clip, you know. I'm like, you need to see this. Yeah. Do you remember this? And I will laugh. I still laugh. There, there's one from like '93, '94, of him interviewing Norm Macdonald and is it Courtney Thorne Smith, whoever it was, who had just started doing a movie. She was going to do a movie with the, Carrot Top. Is this the chair, chairman? Chairman of the board. Of the board? That, yes. It, I, that's all I need. You know what I mean? I yeah. just I watched that clip and it. Oh. You know what? I uh, like talk of like uh, just a couple days ago. Uh, like what's funny is <laughs> you meant, you brought up Loki and uh, I. Uh, one of my favorite things watching Conan was I loved how they brought in Max Weinberg just to be like just in whatever little whatever skit they had. Like Max would just play like just he would never like like he they would refer to Max as like this deranged debauched you know they would paint him as like this crazy guy but he's rock and roller yeah Yeah. but he's just like wearing a suit glasses and just being max weinberg and i I always loved when they brought him in you know to be a part of whatever joke or bit that they were doing and also joel the announcer just Mm -hmm. because joel you know he has the face he has the mouth he is a professional announcer and he would also just like look at the camera and just make that like he would especially because he speaks professionally he has that voice he would say like yes code and like he would but they would get him to say crazy shit yeah, 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 yeah. or ha- have an amazing punchline to something he, yeah. he said and so there's uh like when they would go and look through like it's like oh here at uh, NBC they have satellite we can check out all these crazy satellite channels and I also I also love how Conan a lot of their bits they had these great formulas towards it's kind of like this is the formula mm-hmm. and it's just like hey comedy writers fucking go to town yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was just kind of like all right what crazy and that's where you can tell it's like oh that seems like something Louis C.K. would think of you know mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. all of this shit aside it's just like yeah here's a great formula what kind of crazy Robert TV Smigel, all of yeah. them yes. And so it was the you know, one of the crazy Odenkirk, channels, all of them. And so it was one I don't, uh, and I wanted to find a, a good picture, mm. but I, I just couldn't. I found one, but it was just too grainy, and the the it wasn't the angle wasn't right and everything. But it was for some reason it was a channel of Max Weinberg having sex with Max Weinberg. <laughs> And it was just like you see Max Weinberg in bed, and then like he's got covers on him, and then uh, like on top of him coming out is Max Weinberg again. And I think what I can remember is he looks at the camera, or they both look, and it's like gets a huge laugh. Yeah. And then uh, and I think Joel chimes in, is like Conan, I did, a, I like I have a show on that channel too. And they're like, what? And 
I'm, you know, I'm, I'm piecing it together, yeah, baby. Yeah. And it's Joel on Joel with Joel watching. <laughs> and so it's the same. Joel, Joel appears out. And then Joel again comes out from the bottom of the corner of the screen, like looks at it and then looks back at the camera and is like, does his hilarious quasi creepy and that's a compliment quasi creepy smile and i think like gives like two thumbs up like ah and just but with with the loki thing mm. and uh spoiler alert to anybody listening to this whenever they listen to it it's like with him and uh female loki, uh sylvie like sylvie. kiss i i wanted to uh, i tried to find a good max weinberg on max weinberg picture from that particular sketch and i just you know going through multiple uh, uh, search engines. I just couldn't find. I found one picture, but it just it it wasn't clear enough. You think Max Weinberg get... uh, scraped it off the internet? You think he? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nah, know I, I think <laughs> I think he would have just scrapped it you know, from the get go. I, 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 I think I'm too deep. I think it's funny. It was because fun, uh, I was thinking like Loki. How does this tie with Loki? Um, that's really funny. One of the things I found funny was uh, I guess not, I guess it was the previous episode not last episode one before that where they've introduced uh crocodile mm. low croc loki or i don't know croaky croaky yeah, croaky and i would laugh they did it a few times where there'd be a whole group of them and then they would break into laughter you know somebody would make fun of you know og loki or whatever it is they all explode into laughter and you cut to this person they're laughing cut to this person laughing you hear the laughter and then they cut to croaky and it's just another laugh moment because <laughs> you're seeing this blank reaction on a crocodile. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's all this laughter and the, I guess the visual joke, he's laughing along too. He, they, mm. The directors, they, they all decided to include him in yeah. the big group laugh, you know? <laughs> and uh, I thought that's where you're going with Max Weinberg because it was always the same kind of thing. There's all this chaos and then they cut to Max Weinberg. And, they and, do, and, and he's he, just there like croaky, just sitting there. <laughs> he, and he might have a grin on his face, but no, it's not like, the grin is not caused from what they're doing. Right. It's just, this, just yeah, this is work. Almost nonchalant and kind of like, almost like he doesn't know what's happening. Right. But oh, and I, I've never saw, like, of course, if my parents watch anything, it might have been Leno. Mm, they mm -hmm. just, I, I, I want to assume my parents probably thought Letterman was abrasive or something like that. Again, it's I don't, a little too mean. Prop, yeah. That's, if you ask them that at the time, that's probably what they would say. But so they saw Leno. And then I think uh, just, I didn't watch Leno, but immediately started gravitating to, towards Conan just because at the time, I was born in 84, and when he was becoming more relevant and more popular, that just it just grabbed me. Yeah. And, of course, growing up you know, watching The Simpsons, it just made too much sense as to why, oh, fuck, I, I, this guy's amazing. I'm connecting to all of this. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. loving all the this absurd shit that's going on. Him and Andy fucking, like, when it cut to Andy, like, him – He's Andy did something to Conan, or uh, he pissed off Conan for some reason, and then they're Conan's showing him. He's like, "Yeah, did you know NBC had a spa?" And they're like, "Oh no, I didn't know." He's like, "Yeah, it was right here, right through here." And like Andy has a towel, and Conan rips the towel off, shoves him through, and he's on like uh, Good Morning America or whatever the morning show was. Right. And he's sitting there, and he's like, "I think Matt Lauer probably is there." Yeah, it was probably his idea. And he was just like, "Hey guys," uh, and then like he sits down, and Matt has a sheet. He's like, uh, "Hold on," and he puts his sheet down on the on the chair before he sits down. He's just butt ass naked on there. 
<laughs> like them making Andy naked on anything. There's I forget what the whole setup was, but there's one part where it cuts to Andy sitting in his chair and he's naked wearing cowboy boots. Completely forget why. Right. Don't need a reason. No, don't. Because no. that's all I need to remember. Because it was amazing. so funny. And did you did you did you hear any did like Conan retweeted or anything? Oh, nothing like that. Oh, no, no. no, no. Uh, but you were asking Shucks. about it. Uh, a couple that, of, a couple of stories came to mind. It would have been nice. Yeah. Um, I don't. Maybe, I, maybe I, you can get on the podcast. That I, yeah, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> Until then, you have to settle with what you're doing right now. I don't know. Um, I don't know who's seen what. What's what's been weird is seeing people like make copies of things I've done. And uh, like I did a Mitch Hedberg thing, and then somebody did their own thing, uh, basically a copy of it. And then I saw that kind of floating around, uh, like the copy of my thing. Yeah. And I was like, hey, buddy, what's up with that? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I just thought it was great. You know, I just wanted to do a tribute to it. It's like, all right, well, name the artist. Yeah. Whether it's jokes or a meme or stuff like that, it's hard because you don't want to be the police, but you feel like you're fighting for proper attribution. Yeah, you feel like all bet, the time. I bet you feel robbed when you do when that happens. I I, I saw somebody post something on Facebook about especially it, especially something like, that intricate and personal and artistic. Like you know, there's there's comics that have jokes stolen. Like Nathan Anderson has mm. that Philip K. Dick joke. Mm. Uh, Punchlines: Philip K. Dick move. Like that's a Philip K. Dick move. And what's so funny is I'll see people share that as a meme. Okay, and it's not just it's just the joke. Okay, like if you make a joke and and, it, and the word economy is perfect, you know, and well well crafted, yeah, it's gonna get out there and your name's not gonna be attached to it. But what's so weird with that specific joke from Nathan Anderson, I'll see people share a picture that has the text on there and a fucking picture of Nathan next to it. So it's like a stand-up comedian. This is a stand-up comedian's joke, but nowhere on that picture is his name. Like it doesn't say Nathan Anderson stand-up or, you know, at this or whatever. And I, I've had friends, people I know, like, you know, live in Arlington or Fort Worth or something like that. They will share it. Yeah. And then I, I'm just kind of like, there needs to be a small amount of justice in this world. I will, I'll, Nathan's never told me to stop doing this, but I'm like, I will tag, I'll be like, hey, that's my buddy Nathan Anderson's joke. Right. Plus picture, whatever. Because it's so weird that whoever created that meme or that picture, it's a picture, you know, picture and text, they cared so much to get it out in the world with the quote, an accurate quote, and a picture of him, but just left out the name. I want a, a couple so of things so I don't forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to get back to people finding the art. Um, the other thing being about, it feels like a really big betrayal of this loose bargain we've made with social media, where I started stand up before social media. Same you know, here. MySpace yeah. days and Facebook days, and you're using it for promotion. My and first you, Facebook, I was, going, I was going to college at the time. <laughs> but you're seeing, you know, big names like at the time, Dane Cook, you know, whatever, and you do, whatever you think of them as a, as a comedian, um, you see how they're utilizing platforms. You see how uh, a video could go viral in the infancy of YouTube and it's launched careers, you know? And it's this giant machine where you want eyeballs, you want viewers, you want followers, you want Facebook friends, you want all of these 
likes and shares and all that kind of stuff. So you're like, I need to create. And instead of being like, you know, the person who's working eight hours at the office and they see a funny meme and they blah, blah, blah. I'm a content creator. I'm a content generator. And I'm going to build myself, and I hate thinking of it like this way, but I'm going to build myself like a brand, right? People know that if they come to this page, they're going to see something cool, something funny, a thoughtful insight, whatever. And the bargain that you make with nobody is that I put this stuff out there because this social media world demands content. And then I will be rewarded for it with new followers, with shares, with um, connections. Uh, maybe there's a more influential follower on Twitter that sees it and then they, like, who knows what's yeah, going yeah. to happen, right? And then things don't. Um, you know, you tweet out all these things and, you know, I, I look at my time hop, it comes up every day. And, no, yeah. and in my mind, I'm like, man, I'm a genius. <laughs> all my jokes, and then time hop comes up and you're like, dude, okay. Like, there's a reason why that didn't get any likes and there's a reason why, like, I get it, you know? But then it's the it, reverse for me. Sometimes it comes out. I go, "Did I used to be funnier?" What? That happens. <laughs> that happens a lot with me. But or is the algorithm algorithm just fucking with me? But whether it's a joke or a meme or whatever that you spent time on, you know, I got in Photoshop. I put this stuff around. I, you know, blah 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 blah, and then it goes viral without you. You know what I mean? It's a very I don't know uh, sickening feeling. It's a very lonely feeling. You know, just like wait. Wait, you're supposed to bring me all these followers. You're yeah. supposed to bring me a deal of some kind. Like, you see it all over the place. This comedian got wild because of TikTok. This person, blah, 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 yeah. blah. And things explode. So I thought all we of signed us, a social contract. But <laughs> all of us are doing this, whether I think we're realizing it or not. We're putting this stuff out there so that the people that have come along stay engaged. You know, that, that you keep them entertained. Uh, you promote shows that you're coming. That was always the goal. It wasn't to have a whole life on Facebook. It was, mm. hey, I'm going to be funny and entertaining here a little bit to remind you, hey, I got these shows coming up. Why don't yeah. you come see the real thing? Yeah. And in my mind, there's still things that belong in stand-up that don't belong on social media. Things I will do on stage mm. that I do not want to share the video of, that I don't want. You know what I'm talking yeah, yeah. about? Like, oh, yeah. they, I'm not going to give you the goods. Exactly. Right? Or something that's just... Again, you can watch like comedy spell. You can watch a clip of stand up and like, yeah, you, you put you know you put out the ones you're like, that's fine. I'll put that out th put out there. But there's just sometimes you're just like it just nothing beats the live experience. Exactly, it just can't. And that's one thing I, and that's one thing I always love about stand up. It's like it, like I have a show Saturday doing a late show at the Improv, uh, and I this is the first time ever. Well, okay, like maybe the second time ever. I sent out direct messages to a lot of fucking people, most of whom, if not all of them, have ex have expressed interest, seen a show, have never seen a show, and I'm just kind of like, also, it's the next show I, it's the it's the only and next show I have. Right. So I'm like, I want this one to fucking count. I want to show the improv that I'm bringing people. Right. Because they're basically like, put out, uh, you know, the, the, this this fucker's free. Send it out. Guest list does. Right. Send it here. We. And we want people to see. It's not said or unsaid. It just, it's also, it's not a bringer show in the sense that everybody's required, like an yeah. open mic or whatever like that. But like you said, you wanted to, sh you want to show to the, the, the club. Um, also, I don't know if most people, people even see I've got the following. things I post. I've got a following ish. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you want to show them that people are there to see you. Mm. Not that you're just entertaining on stage. 
but that people are actually buying a ticket and excited because your name's on the on the show. Mm. You know, that that does go. You know, I I think you hope it goes far. You know, with an uh, with with a, with a club. Um, back to the second point that I wanted to bring up about that is. As, as somebody who does draw and somebody who worked on cartoons and caricatures and all this kind of stuff, do logo designs, T-shirts. You did one of my T-shirts. Yeah, I did, didn't it was, I? It was, yeah, it was such, right. a, such a simple thing. I'm like, Aaron can easily knock this out of the park. So when, when I'm talking one-on-one you know, with people who I guess know what I'm going through or they approach me, hey, do you have time to do something? I'm like, yeah, actually, i got a few hours I can dedicate to blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm trying not to be afraid of quoting what I would normally quote, you know, yeah. like making a friend mad or, but everybody in this last 18 months is, I've had to be really serious about it. Uh, like, I, I, I can't, it's not like I don't want to do favors or things like that, but it's just like, I don't want to be taken advantage of either. Mm-hmm. And I know I don't think friends of mine would want to take advantage of me, and they don't. They may not. But it, it's just a hassle. I don't want to – like, I hate that part of the freelance game. Do you know what I mean? Um, how much would this cost? Well, uh, what you're asking for would take a few hours every day from here to da 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 Art and, to a degree, stand-up, and I'm sure this is like this in a lot of fields. It's just these are two fields that I've concentrated on. It feels like it's something everybody in the world expects, but nobody values. Nobody wants to pay for it. Mm. Um, oh, that's so easy. Oh, my kid does art. I'll just get them to do a logo. Uh, I'm so is funny. it that documentary? My kid could do that. Or, yeah. But like my like, uh, I'm funny. Why do I need to pay somebody to be funny for forty five minutes? You yeah. know, at my corporate event, I'm like, well, have you ever been funny for forty five minutes? At, yeah. Uh, in in a in a corporate, you know these people, all right? But they're strangers to that me. That should be really easy for you then, Mr. Funny Man. But 45 minutes, like, do you have the experience? Do you know what works? Do you know how to be clean? Do you know how to, when I say clean, I don't mean squeaky, whatever. I'm just, do you know how to walk that line? Yeah. And that's my favorite part of it. Mm. When somebody tells you to be clean and you're just yeah. whatever enough. Yeah. Like, that's my favorite. Do you know what I mean? Plausible deniability, right? Let people make like, their own dirty joke in their tell head Tell me or your whatever. rules and I will... No, brush up against. It. Yes. Yeah. So, it's 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 been frustrating where you kind of see what you put you've up done, the guardrails and I won't knock it over. Uh, might might be some sparks here. <laughs> <laughs> but like even now, people can make their own cartoons. Uh, you know, they put their face in some app, mm. and it turns into a cartoon. So it's like even that thing that I used to do for people. It's yeah. like it's not it's not as special anymore. That kind of thing. So, um, I don't know. It's it's. More so than anything, I've had to reckon with uh, you got to do it because you like it or because you get some sort of value out of it, whether or not somebody pays you for it or whatever. Um, And then back to the celebrity thing like an hour and a half ago. Um, A couple came to mind. Uh, Both were really cool. Um, When I was in high school, I read a book by Richard Belzer Mm. called How to Be a Stand-Up which is not a very good book on the subject. It's a funny book. Yeah. And if you're a fan of Richard Belzer, it's a, it's a, it's a fine book. Yeah. By the way, back then, it felt like everybody was putting out books, like every comedian. Do you think, how many comics do you think under 30 know who Richard Belzer is? I don't know. I don't know. But how about this? How many comics under 30 watch uh, USA, you know, Law & Order SVU marathons? Mm. Like, you know who Richard Belzer is. You yeah. just don't think of him as yeah, a funny like, stand-up. And uh, we were on a class trip. I was in New York, and 
uh, we're waiting at our gate and Richard Belzer mm. is like checking in at some gate. And I didn't know at the time, you know, just like how not to be a pest. Um, but I would try to do the same thing there too, where I try to draw him and whatever. And I was a fan of his stand up and I introduced, you know, myself. I got your book. Yeah, it was really funny, wasn't it? Like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but like everybody. I don't know. I haven't tried stand up yet. But like everybody else, like all, you know, the girls in the class and all that, they recognized him from like homicide or whatever. So they were just excited that there was a celebrity and wanted to get their picture, you know. But I was like, Guys, this is a stand-up comedian. Show some respect. <laughs> um, uh, I did a because for a long time, like Law and Order SVU was like almost on an IV drip. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was constant. You know, and whenever I was on the road too, it was like you were able to turn it on, and it was something soothing, as gross as it is. <laughs> um, but I did like a cast drawing of. Um, Ice T, Richard Belzer, mm. uh, I forget all their names, but you know, uh, Benson Stabler, Those the, captain, the ones you named are the only ones. I right, 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 right. Um, and I can't remember exactly when I posted it. I, I did. I posted this cast picture way before. So nothing happens with it. But then some random SVU like fan account, whatever, found it, and they posted. Yeah, you know, I, 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 my name is on there and all that kind okay, of stuff. Yeah, so it yeah. wasn't like they, whatever. But then Richard Belzer saw it, and he tweeted about it, and then that's a nerd out moment. Yeah. You're just looking oh, at your yeah. phone, and you're just like, uh, "Munch, Munch, <laughs> Munch has seen me." You know what I mean? It's so funny and pathetic. Um, and then a flip to what I was talking about, where people just take um, on my because you know, long before social media, whatever, somebody told me it was a good idea to have my own website, and so it was it just felt like a good idea to have a hub where I could put artwork, where I could put comedy stuff and all that kind of stuff, whatever. And I had drawn Milton from Office Space. Okay. It was one of my favorite movies. And oh, yeah. that, the, the whole story of, of Mike Judge and making that and how, all of that, you know, from, from animated short to film and, and just Stephen Root doing that character. Love the movie, love that character. And I was also a huge... Uh, news radio fan mm. oh, uh, yeah. the sitcom this all ties together uh, because I was also a huge Kids in the Hall fan from when I was younger so Dave Foley moving from Kids in the Hall to news radio and then Phil Hartman moving from Saturday Night Live to news radio and then loving the other characters and all this kind of stuff I uh, <laughs> I uh, uh, yeah I, anyway I loved it I ended up doing a cast drawing of news radio as well oh. Um, it's still up in my house. Um, and then you know, I had this Milton drawing. Love Stephen Root. Stephen Root's representative finds me, uses the email on my website, oh, okay. and says, hey, we found this drawing. We think it's really cool. Stephen's going to go do a USO sh show. This is early 2000s with, uh, you know, the, he's going over to Iraq. And, um, and uh, just like to MC or something? 2006, or? 2007. <laughs> He went over there as part of a Voices of okay. tour. So, yeah. like, you know, celebrities will go over there to sign autographs. Yeah. Athletes will okay, go over okay, there to yeah. shake hands and, you know, for morale and all that. Like, fingers so, crossed the troops watch news radio. <laughs> but but it's not, it, it was like the whole cast of King of the Hill went. Oh, okay. So nice. he's there with, you know, Mike Judge. Oh, he's there okay, as okay. Uh, Bill yeah, Dotrieve. Yeah, yeah. And he's, you know what gotcha. I'm talking about? And it's also. The troops definitely do watch King of the Hill. King of okay. the Hill. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and huge King of the Hill fan. Too. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so 
they were going to have a uh, an autograph sheet where people would have their various characters and stuff like that. And so they already had a sheet set up for Bill Dotrieve, and they asked my permission. I thought it was the classiest thing. Yeah. They go, we found this cartoon. We haven't seen anything like it. Do you mind if we use it on this thing? And, you know, Stephen will sign it for the troops. And I was like, thank you for asking? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're stunned that somebody even asked permission. Um, and <laughs> I go, look, I'm a huge fan. So absolutely. Yeah. But I've also got this um, news radio thing I did. Do you mind if he would sign that as well if I sent it? And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sure, sure, whatever. So I had him sign that. And um, so he was able to do what he needed to do. But because of that exchange, I met the kids in the hall at one of their shows. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, they did it in Grand Prairie. I forgot what it's uh, what's the thing oh, called. Oh, Beltline and Thirty. It's whatever. I don't know. They've changed names so many times. It was Verizon for a long right. time, and then now it's. So yeah, I, don't know. I I grew up loving loving that show, and I did same thing where I drew the guys and whatever, and I have it like in a Manila folder, and I don't have any backstage pass. I don't have anything, but show's over, and I notice people are kind of congregating, you know, towards the backstage area. And I'd been at that venue before. I kind of remembered, yeah, you know, whatever. This is the, that's the spot. <laughs> and so I'm just standing there, and the, I, I I can't I can't over explain the 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 benefits of standing somewhere either with a Manila folder or a clipboard. People just assume <laughs> that you belong there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, they're like, yeah, all right, cool, right this way. So I find myself in the green room, and I get to meet them all, and they're autographing this thing for me, and I have a conversation with Dave Foley. Wait, just because you had the... Because I had a manila folder with this autograph, this caricature I had done in it. <laughs> no press pass. So not, no. Not, even a, not even a clipboard. No. Just Or just, a, a just lanyard of just, any kind. Just something just, in your hand. This guy had a manila folder. we got to get him backstage very fast. And... Um, <laughs> And I and I got them to sign it, but Dave Foley also signed the news radio one. Oh. And then years later, I worked with John Lovitz. And I brought it up to the club, and he signed I, it. I, dude, I okay. That's something I remember very well. Of uh, okay, well, I, you drew like a comic strip of that, right? Of that story, yeah, 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 the of John the story, story where yeah. it. Oh man, it was. Oh, I, I can picture the, ooh, I can hear him, like, okay, I forget exactly, please right, here, tell here me, but is. I can picture his, I could hear his, ooh, reaction. So he... Oh, my God, yes. That, that was the cast I discovered when I discovered Saturday Night Live. Mm. That mid-late 80s, um, Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman, uh, Jan Hooks, who I was, like, absolutely head over heels in love with. Uh, it was, like, right before Mike Myers got there, you okay. know, but... Kevin Nealon, like that to me, I, it will always be, you know, like this gold star, you know, version of whatever. So Lovitz is this insanely gifted uh, sketch performer. He's a great actor. Like when you saw him in like Big and um, one of I know my favorite what things, this is he was building a, up. <laughs> whatever. But, but 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 as far as stand up, he was very green, very new, which was so weird because he, he almost seems like. He has such a history of being a. You just want him to a, tell his stories. Yeah. And you, you, you like when I met him. Well, I a lot of yeah. I even kind of thought I was like, wait, John Lovitz, like he's he, um, it was like ah, oh, John Lovitz do his stand up. Does John Lovitz do stand? It was one that was like he's been a comedic actor for so long that I never thought I never. 
it didn't cross my mind that he wasn't a stand-up comedian. Right. But him being at the improv that weekend, it was just kind of like, no, this feels natural, but it's like, but he, wait, he's not, he's get, he's getting into stand-up comedy. It's weird. But he has a name where he can. How many people you see who are headlining, who aren't stand-ups. It's like a more uh, legitimized Jeremy Piven pivot to stand-up but, comedy. But, but, but at least, you know, yeah, a Lovitz knows how to tell a story and yeah. tells a joke, but it's just like, there are times where he was like trying to tell a jokey joke and yeah. you just want like, man, come on. We know you. Yeah, like it like, was, yeah. Tell every story yes. about the the movie set. Tell every story about anything, any real story you have about every celebrity you've met or whatever, would be so much more interesting than anyway. I was still a fanboy, and it was one of those things where, um, you know, I'd send my avails all the time. It doesn't mean that the club works you. Yeah. You know, and I certainly never felt like I was in a place where I could. Ask. Wait, you, sit, you send a veils to club and not just, hey, what do you got? <laughs> I, That's I'm i telling you years yeah. and years of going through the calendar, putting an email together. I'm open this week, this week, this week, next, planning it out six months. You know, uh, hey, if you could use me, I'm off night headline, feature, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I performed your clubs, whatever, and nothing goes answered, you know. And then somebody will approach you the week of, it happened to me this week. Hey, can you do this Thursday through Saturday? Like, no. No, I sent avails yeah. months, <laughs> like months ago. Yeah. Like, why? It's, it's part of the real frustrating process. Yeah. But, um, no, what were we? Love it. Love it. Mm, so no. I, com- I campaigned for that week. Okay. I, I said, please. Yeah. You know, I don't ask, but if he's coming through, if he doesn't have any support. Yeah, yeah. You know, can I be on the bill somewhere? Just It's one thing to go and meet him. It, it's another thing to meet him. In his mind, you're not peers. But that's the great thing about stand-up, is that all of a sudden you're telling jokes and you're in the back room and you're chatting with people as though you are peers. You kind of are. Yeah. You're not at the same level. You haven't done everything. But you can make that room f- laugh. And now all of a sudden you're somebody kind of worth talking to. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was very nice to me. Um, very complimentary, uh, quietly, like, 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 uh, we're standing in the back and we're watching the feature or not the feature, the host. And, um, he's whispering to me, he goes, that was really good. I, <laughs> and like, you know, eight year old me is inside like, oh my God, whatever. John Lovitz is whispering to yeah. me right now. And then, you know, like, why is he whispering? You'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, we're in the back office and he's there and he's eating. And it's also, there's no like real green room there. There is now, but not a room that you can shut. You know what I mean? So unfortunately, uh, if, if, you know, if the big star comes in, they said everybody out, then everybody's out of the office. Yeah. You know, He was very cool. We're all whatever. And I can't remember if he asked for my card or my card was around, but I had just made some new cards or something like that. And he goes, let me see that. And it, and it was oh, a critic fan, too. You know? Oh, dude. Uh, I, I'm a huge so, critic fan. Yes. So so there's this moment where you're like pinching. I'm pinching myself. It's like, did John Lewis just ask to see my card? And then he looks at it. And you don't know at the time, but like he was really good friends with Jamie Masada, the Laugh Factory. He knows the Persian community in L.A. Mm. and all this kind of stuff. So you see, Aryanpur, like I says it right. Aryanpur, what's that? And I don't remember <laughs> if I talked about my dad on stage or whatever. Yeah. No, I know I did. 
because I did material about it and I was confused. Okay. Like, I thought yeah. you complimented me. You don't watch every minute, uh, Mr. Lovitz. And uh, I go, oh, it's my dad, he's, he's Persian. And without missing a beat, he hands the card back with disgust. And he goes, oh. <laughs> and there's a moment where you're just like, is he messing with me? I think he's fucking with me. But if he's if this is real, this yeah. is really messed up, you know? And, Eight-year-old me is going to be yeah. weirded out. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday Night Live sucks. Saturday Night Live sucks. And, um, and uh, oh, my, you know, my father's Persian. Oh. And then immediately I go, yeah, but my mom's Jewish. You know, I'm yeah. thinking that that was some sort of whatever. And then he goes, oh, and he takes it back. And I go, oh, that's yeah. funny. Like, I got the joke. He got the oh, joke. Yeah. And it was like, oh, it was a great moment. And then we were the only two in there in the office at the time. And then he goes, okay, okay, okay. Oh, God. Oh, my God. And, and that's goes, where you're just like, oh, my. Like, you're probably like, I'm in. Like, he's. He wants to joke with me, and but like, the, there's no one around. That's, there's no, there's no one around. But there's, it's, it's no greater conversation. Yeah. There's, you know, who you need to talk to. There's nothing like that. Instead, it's like, okay, okay. So I'm gonna say, I want your card, <laughs> and you're gonna hand me your card, and I'm gonna go, Aryan poor, what's that? And I'm, the whole time, I'm like, we just. It just happened. It just happened I was organically. I was here. We, and then and then and then you're gonna say, and I'm gonna go, are you poet sat? And you're gonna go, my father's Persian, and I'm gonna go, oh. And then you go, but my mom's Jewish, and then I'm gonna go, oh, all right, let's go. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? There's like we had just rehearsed a sketch. Like we're, and now we're, we're doing we're, a scene of something that just happened. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will tell you this. It's uh, it, it's a psychotic uh, moment. But for somebody that dreamed of Saturday Night Live, this is not Saturday Night Live. This is nowhere near Saturday Night Live. But in that moment, I had this spark of what it must have felt like to be kind of in a writing room and somebody go, oh, that's a great idea. Can we blah, 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 blah. And then capturing it. And then maybe next week it makes it to air. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? And... Uh, that whole weekend, that that one little moment, I was like, I got to play, you know. I had like a yeah. little, I had a moment of play with somebody I watched when I was a kid, and it was, it was, uh, it was awesome. It was, uh, it was very gratifying, you know. And I'm sure it meant nothing to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and still though, man, that's who'd have thought, you know? You're, yeah, you're drawing that shit. You're in that class, and next thing you know, when I when I was love it's his. Uh, being hilarious and then a little weird to you. When I was sitting all alone in a theater to watch mom and dad save the world. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thunk? You know? Did you ever t did you tell that to John? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, years ago, I was sitting alone in a theater. <laughs> You're just waiting for him. To, like, oh, man, if, if he was not joking with the whole card thing, yeah, yeah. that's when you're just, that, you'd be like, that was odd and racist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're just kind of, you know, John, few, uh, years ago, I was sitting alone in the theater watching Mom and Dad's. That, that would have been great. Yeah. But luckily, he's just a, just a weird dude. Right. That you got to work with. That's uh, Yeah. And then I got to have dinner with him at Twin Peaks after. Oh. Which was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he goes, uh, a few of us are going out after the show. Do you want to come? And again, you're like pinching yourself. Like you kind of hope that you get yeah. the invite. Let's hang out. Let's talk. Yeah. We should be friends. You know, that kind of thing. 
And I'm like, yeah. That'd be like, like you said earlier, I never hang out. But if it's like a Sunday, I'm like, let's go someplace. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to, like, I tell my wife, John Lovitz wants to go hang out. She'll be cool. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And uh, I go, yeah, that'd be awesome. And he goes, I was trying to be nice. <laughs> and I was <just> like, <laughs> so you don't want me to come? No, you can come. And I was like, what is going on? So, so like, where are we going? Is like, let's go to Twin Peaks. And I'm like, why not? This makes all the sense it needs to make. And so drive like, to Twin Peaks. I hope our our waitress knows who John Lovitz is. Yeah. Well, there's no way she knows unless she was a fan of that one episode or of Friends. Is or is slightly like, like you know, t- comes takes your order. Hi, I'll be so and so. I'll be, and then like walks away. Is just like that guy looks very familiar. <laughs> that guy looks like the search for Curly's gold. <laughs> um, we walk in to Twin Peaks. The guy, there's a manager there by the the hostess stand, you know, and. Mr. Lovitz, hey, how are you? Right, Perfect. and we're walking to a table, and I don't. Again, I don't know where I got that. I was like, man, look at that. How about I say this out loud to him, to John Lovitz? I go, how about that? After all this time, you know, whatever. Like, what a dickhead thing to say, <laughs> oh, right? God. And then he goes, well, to be honest, and it was so funny because with that voice too, you just never know what his proclivities were, what anything was, you know, he whatever. Always- and he always he's always that voice yeah. in everything he does. Yes. Yeah. It's it's so crazy. And uh I go, isn't that great? Like just the star treatment. Yeah. You know? And he goes, uh he goes, well, to be honest, I've had every lunch and dinner here for the past three days. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Uh, five. That's good. Maybe he does have a future in stand up. Little or maybe just comedy. But damn, that's oh, oh. god, I mean so happy. Has there been anybody else that you've like, like I want to work with them, and maybe well, it happened. What? Uh, or it did happen. Well, no, I've, I've, or it didn't happen. I, 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 it's super cool. You meet a lot of people, mm. and for the most part, uh, everyone's cool. You know, um, um, friendly, professional. Maybe not overly friendly, but not overly cold either. I've run into very few people who were just dicks you know um name them no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> that's great about podcasts it's like no one will just and again anyone that has a podcast is like no we're not going to do that <laughs> we don't want to fuck up you know any career trajectory or anything there's somebody that's... who specifically comes to mind and that's a story for another day no. um uh, once I figure out how to uh, uh, fuck with voices, <laughs> and they can be like, I'm here with mystery comedian. You'll be like, bro, bro, I'm not a comedian. Just say mystery person. Mystery yeah. person X. And we're going to talk shit about people we know. But no, uh, I got to I got to open for, it was a two-person show, but I got to open for Arsenio oh, wow. a couple years ago. And so, again, it's weird because, like, Arsenio's great, but it's not like working with him in the 90s do you know what i mean yeah. but and so you end up working with a lot of people like that too who you know may have been huger or whatever and stand up is another way to still be out there and make money and be with the people whatever he's still writing and he was still funny and it was just it was trippy you know what i mean mm-hmm. so th- those kind of things where you meet celebrities from when you were growing up like when i was talking about yeah. letterman or whatever um those first few comics uh, that I'd mentioned, like um, Attell, Geraldo, Mitch Hedberg, getting to meet them, not perform with them, but getting to meet them mm. was super trippy, super cool. 
Um, one of the caricatures I did, and I can't believe I didn't like bring this up. How cool would it have been to have performed somewhere where George Carlin was also performing? Hmm. Never. He was a huge hero of mine, but I got to see him perform three times. Oh. He came through Dallas various times. And I met him at a book signing. You know, he had three books, I think. Hmm. His first one was called Brain Droppings. Yeah. And they were having a random signing at a Barnes & Noble, North Dallas. And I'm just like, I'm going. And yeah. drew the picture, brought my albums. And... um you want to talk about the days before, you know, all the smartphones and all that kind of stuff. There was, you know, like a Paul's joke about the old, you know, hey, Kodak or a whatever. A smartphone wouldn't have gotten you in to meet kids in the hall. Oh, no, no, no. Right. No, <laughs> but what I'm that. saying is then uh, I left to go get something. I can't remember. I come back to get my brother. And then the crowd's all gone. And it's just Carlin. Oh. Wow. Waiting outside for his car to pick him up. And I'm like. Would it be cool if I get a picture? Yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. And it's one of those, oh, nothing yeah. came out. No oh. photos, no anything. But Old disposable Kodak. Yeah, I have the signed copy of the book, and I have the signed yeah. um, thing I did, the caricature I did. I still have the Barnes & Noble poster with oh, the picture nice. on it that he signed that as well. So that's up there somewhere. And He was, I really wish I could have talked comedy more with those kind of guys. Geraldo. Yeah. Hedberg. It would have been insane, you know. Um, Especially being someone like associated with the club, and you're just kind of like, they won't mind if I hang out or something. And could I? Would it be all right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's just making everybody else okay with your psychoses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember seeing Sean Rouse at the Improv, but then also out. I, I think afterwards we're all sitting at a table, and some people were there, but also it was just like. Oh, what I'd heard about Sean Rouse is absolutely true. He's just kind of sitting a couple people over just like, I'm like, I know he's fucked up all the time. But he's definitely fucked up right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm not going to be able to talk to him about much or anything. I'll just tell him I'm a fan. And uh, There was a Hedberg show like that. <laughs> oh, really? I, uh, not that man, he was upset, but that he was not yeah. uh, open to meeting people. Oh, yeah. I I kind of love telling people like not to bring down you know the the luster and the, the star that is Mitch Hedberg but <laughs> some people I'm just like oh yeah you know like you know yeah like you know I think there's a story of like you know he broke a heroin needle off in his leg at the you know at, at a club here in town <laughs> and they're like what I go yeah it almost went gangrene and I'm just like that's what I heard, you know, from someone I don't think needed to tell tall tales. Yeah. They're like, oh, my God. I go, yeah, it was very tragic. He's not just, you know, jokes about koalas and shit. Right. <laughs> but on a, on a good story about, uh, so, you, you know, Darren Collins. Yeah. So I always, like, that's a guy, if he's ever on this continent, I would love to, you know, talk to him. Yeah. Uh, you know, Darren doing what, so he's, he's a prof professional uh, before he moved to Africa, well, he's a professional juggler and stand-up comedian, magician, juggler. Yeah, a puppeteer. Yes. Yeah. Which is what he's doing a lot in Africa for right. HIV, AIDS education, and all that. I've got to do some stuff for him. Uh, actually, I got to help him do some artwork, but then I oh. also did some voiceover. Oh. Okay, because nice. they do these shows live. But they'll need uh, voices recorded. Gotcha. And so okay, they'll, they'll yeah. whatever. And so I actually got to be like a lion. I got to be a whatever. And he, oh, that's does, he does these, um, I don't know what you would call it, but just uh, uh, 
health and safety sex ed, yeah. you know, kind of Which demonstrations. Is, I think, like he told me, like when he was starting to first go over there, it's like that's you can't just go around and just teach. Like there's no here's a condom on a banana, you know, like the trope we have here in the states. Right there for somehow for some reason you could go through puppetry and it's fine. So like before he started doing all that when he was still you know here magician yeah here uh and this was uh let's say i was 17 or 18 maybe 19 somewhere between there he i don't know how they met but he went on uh at least one maybe a couple of dates with my sister mm-hmm. and so i was like i was and so one time uh they were at my house i think they just come home from seeing a movie or something we're in our we're in my in our kitchen and I'm just like, oh, wow. You know, I'm like, I'm a really big fan of stand-up comedy. And, and we're talking. And he said one time, uh, I, I think maybe I mentioned Mitch Hedberg. And he was like, oh, yeah. It's like uh, he came to uh, the Edison Improv one time. And I was like, oh, that's got to be awesome. I'm like, did you see him? Did you meet him or something like that? He's like, well, I went there. And this was, you know, comics could go and watch the shows. Like, but I went there and it was all sold out. They weren't even letting comics in to yeah. see it. And I was, I, I was like, oh man, that sucks. He's like, well, so I'm there, kind of you know disheartened. Go outside, and from the back door walks Mitch Hedberg, smoking a pipe and yeah. wearing a robe. And he's like, hey man, how's it going? And he's like, oh Mitch. I was like, hey, I'm a huge fan. I, I'm a I'm a comedian in the, in the in the local scene. I, I came here to see you, but it, it, you sold the place out. They, they won't even let comics in. And he's like, he's like, man, that's all right. You're with me now. And I was just like, oh, that's so. You know, as tragic as Mitch Hedberg, you know, you know, life ended up being. It's still, but it's like, yeah, it was tragic. But that, like, you got to, there's probably so many other moments like that with so many other people. That, that was that, just like, he walks out, sees, and Darren's just like, yeah. You, you, if you don't meet Darren for a few minutes and realize this guy's trying to do great things for the world, it depends on what you talk about, of course. But sure. Darren's, we know Darren. He's just like, the oh, greatest shit. guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Mitch was just one of those people that immediately picked up on that. It yeah. was just kind of like, you're with me now. Like, you come see the show. What a great spirit. Yeah, I'll tell I love them. that. My name's on the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love that. <laughs> that was just like, I'll never forget that. I was like, there's so many times like that. There's that. And then seeing, uh, like, seeing that show at the Majestic mm-hmm. of Mitch Hedberg, Lewis Black, and David Tell. I wish either one of those would be like, and then I decided I'm going to go try to do stand-up comedy. No, it was just me getting really high for a long period of time with my buddy and he was like let's go do an open mic i'm like okay like that's it <laughs> did it feel good at all like right. right away just going to the open mics and things oh yeah yeah it was because same friend he was in like uh some like garage punk bands mm-hmm. and there was this so he's small... probably shocked that there's an audience for this thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're and they're paying attention right and they're not drinking 40s in their car yeah. like okay because i was like what well, we were used to seeing we have all these friends and bands playing punk shows yeah. at like diy spots or community centers and maybe one of those bands would go play like a real show and maybe go see that but that's you know you mm-hmm. know i was hanging around these punk rockers and i don't play music i've i've had a fuck ton of cds i have sure. a closet full of band shirts I love music. I still, you know, I'm wearing one, I'm wearing yeah. a dance right now. And, but I never felt like I had a place. Mm. And so I was just like, oh, I got all these friends in bands. Uh, one of my friends in that circle um, ended up being in a pretty, like, uh, so this band, uh, my buddy Andrew Savage in this band called Parquet Courts. Okay. 
and they are like rock stars in the quasi underground indie scene. Okay. I, it's kind of like, okay, uh, one day or like one week or a couple weeks, they were on, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, Seth Meyers, Letterman. They went on these late night. So I say like quasi underground, they went on these slew of late night shows. Fred Armisen came out and played drums with them. Mm. Like he's a huge fan of theirs. And so, you know, seeing these, like they're big in their own right. Right. And so I was just kind of like seeing all that happen. And then, Buddy Philip, who is, you know, he's a bit of a writer, you know, he, he didn't stand up for like, I don't know, about a year with me, mm-hmm. like off and on. They decided it's like, oh, it's not for me. But I was just kind of like, oh, this is where this, I belong. I like, I like how it's stru- uh, not that it, I like that it is structured because oh, the punk bands play loud and fast and people pay attention to that or they buy something and go home and they listen to it. Mm. And yeah, you all through school, you go around joke with all your friends, you know, but it was always the loud and fastest. Right. And if you're around your good personal friends and you know them and you're, you know, you don't have to be the loud and fastest. You can actually be funny or you're more comfortable. Yeah. Louder yeah. versus other yeah. situations. Yeah. And, but I liked how this had a structure to it and it was the, the appropriate place and time. Like there's a list, there's an order. You go up there, you get your allotted amount of time. And people will pay attention. It's funny and how it that was makes just sense. Like, yeah. And I, I loved how it was just like, oh, because it was, you know, not knowing anything about how stand-up comedy operates, let alone writing jokes or running an open mic, running a comedy club, and just kind of looking at just the, the, the sheer nuts and bolts, the basics of it, right, the, right. The, the infrastructure that, that it is. I was just like, oh, so, like, Charlie, who's our class clown, and to this day, like, a, Charlie was just a great guy, but he was also just, like, this, like, photogenic, mm-hmm. entertaining kind of guy. He, he wasn't, like, the class clown that pissed off the teacher. Teachers well, loved him. He was him. the charmer, yeah. Exactly. But, and not as, he was just a great dude as well. I was just like, well, that's your stand-up comedians, is, that's Charlie, that's him. Or maybe the, the bad kid that's also really funny and pissing off the teacher, but still really funny. I was like, oh, wait. The quiet kid that's just has been watching everything around him for all these years. The very aware person. Yeah. The one who's been taking notes. Yes. I, yeah, I wish I could have said, like, I've been writing jokes that, like, I never did that because I, I never. Mean, I don't mean taking actual notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just being hyper aware. Yeah. Noticing things that other people don't. And like finally you, utilizing that. You need, rather than things like that, you notice and then them eat you up. You're actually able to channel it into something really productive. Mm. You know, something that actually has a result. Right. I, one of my favorite things is like not like because you've done like some really heavy stuff like I remember uh, like seeing uh, just brain like seeing you do a stuff like about your dad mm. like and that's like some you know still really funny but still like some very personal subject matter I don't get anywhere close to that but like the little nuances of life where someone's just kind of like man like it's it's not like relatable like oh hey you know I had something similar with my dad something that you can really you know, someone you can connect with something on like a like a spiritual, personal, deep level. Yeah. But I like the, the going back to the observational stuff, where it's like, man, I I've always I've noticed that I just never thought about putting it into words, and it's something very inane, yeah. but good for stand up because you know stand up silly. Might as well point out the silly things. Right. So like I agree, I don't like that either. Yeah. Or I've never thought about that. 
And I'm just like, yeah, I keep, I'm like, I can't stop noticing this, this foible of humanity or something, just weird little thing. And Even when you go on vacation, it's hard to turn that mindset mm-hmm. off because there's a part of you always looking for material. Um, and one of the things I had to kind of reckon with was, no pun, uh, <laughs> is the majority of my material, and I think a lot of people's material, um, comes from frustration, right? Or confusion. The majority of it. Oh, yeah. You don't go up on stage and go, hey, man, everything's great. Yeah. You know, I got along. Uh, I got, uh, I drove to work and everything was cool. You know, it, it, it's yeah. never that. It, it's a way of uh, bitching and moaning, but in an entertaining way. You, instead of complaining about your day or your life. Yeah, or, nobody wants to hear someone complain for 45 minutes. Or, or, or what you perceive as the wrongs that have been done to you. If you, like Oscar Wilde say, if you want to tell them the truth, you make it funny. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, if you can figure out how to make it entertaining, people will listen. People will pay attention. People might offer support. and so Like Louis Black. He is definitely complaining about some big-time things. Yes. But the way he talks about it the masterful way he projects even just pauses makes up uh, like to this day unbefucking believable like right. god it's that's fun to say yes. it's fun to hear and then it's fun to say you're like and you take it from that <laughs> the problem then in real life is instead of living your life going on a trip with the family or <laughs> uh yeah. you know doing this activity this activity whatever there's a part of you always looking for what's wrong there's a part of you always looking for Where's the fly in the ointment? Where, 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 because I guess that's what I'm attracted to. Do you? And I'm like, I can turn that into something. There's a part of me, like even in the moment where I'm like really, really upset, and you know, like shaking from anger. I'm sure there's a, a part of me in the void, you know, way back in the brain that goes, we 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 can use this. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can. We'll, we'll just we'll just we'll calm down. Yeah. We'll calm down. <laughs> And we'll we'll figure out why this is funny. There's a lot of managing emotions. There's a lot of we, we, I hadn't even thought about the material I had done about my dad because I hadn't had the opportunity to do it mm. in a long, yeah, long yeah. time. But when you're going through those experiences and feeling those feelings, like to me, that's all I was doing. It was a very isolating place, just obsessively. Why am I feeling this? Well, when am I going to feel better? What am I going to, you know, whatever. And in those moments, you kind of see the branches of, like, analyzing that reality can be funny. The situation isn't funny, if that makes sense. My dad in the hospital and then in hospice. Is, yeah. That's not funny. Being insulted, me, being insulted by the hospice nurse when I get there is incredibly funny to me. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody else would have noticed it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. my experience. So if I can take that experience and relay it to an audience full of strangers, I feel I feel great. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how fucked up in this situation? I'm here to visit my father, and she says this nasty thing to me, and everybody's cool with it. Like, yeah. nobody bats an eye. <laughs> nobody thinks it's insulting. I'm and, and then being on stage and being able to say, this is what happened, and people laughing in recognition going, holy crap, that's really insulting. It... It's a way of turning a really sour moment, which, you know, it could have stuck with me and eaten me alive if I didn't have an outlet for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Or, like a number of people, it may have just been one other thing that I ignored or noticed and like, eh, whatever, you know. But those things that stick with me, it, 
that's how I know that they're going to be funny later is because I'm really, really spending some time trying to figure this out. And that's the stuff that gets scribbled down and worked out a few times on stage and all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm able to do it. Uh, I, it's, it took a long time to even get comfortable trying to be that, I guess, emotionally honest, you know, because you want to be liked. Yeah. You want to be entertaining and you want to be seen as the life of the party in a way. Like, I'm not the life of the party. Any real party, I'm not the life yeah, of yeah. it. But for those few moments that you're on stage, you have to be. Yeah. There's nowhere else to look. Yeah. You know? And luckily, you got a electronically amplified device in your hands that sure. makes... Sure. And there's uh, uh, lights and everything directed and whatever, but you need to bring it. Sometimes you know? when I'm at a party, and I'm, I don't... I never try to be the life of a party. No, Me neither, so, to be honest. But then I'm at a party, and I'm just like, man, I'm like... A lot of people here are difficult to have conversations with, and I I am a talker. I, I wasn't born. I, you know, it's when I started doing stand up. I, I, I get I'm chatty and everything. You know, I guess. But <laughs> when I'm at a party. I'm just kind of like, man. It's really it's like pulling teeth to get people to talk. Something's wrong with all of them. Right. And not, like I'm willing to do the work of like I'm, I don't want to be the life of a party, and I'm not going to do some crazy shit to get the attention on me. I'm like. How are uh, why are all these people so difficult to talk with? You're at a fucking party. Does it hurt to say hi? Oh, let's find a subject. I will bullshit about almost all subjects, the, and I will pretend to like something I despise if that helps the situation. Like, I'm not a big fan of Star Wars that I used to be, right. but I'll pretend if that helps. I've got it. And I, eventually, <laughs> I'll pivot it to some Babylon Five. You know, right. maybe you know, or just, baseball. We'll figure oh, it out. Oh, if, God, if I'm lucky. <laughs> Oh, does anybody wear a baseball hat? Then, uh... okay. So, before we wrap this up, I, you are always part of a specific memory of mine that I love telling people, but also it's always kept me from getting disheartened from why any show open mics are, you know, whatever the fuck they are. Do you remember a time uh, a, a show? Uh, it was at the Pocket Sandwich Theater. <laughs> and I remember Tom Thomas Nichols, aka Tomcat, was yeah, there yeah. too. Can't remember else who who was there. Johnny Elbow, I'm sure, and everybody. Yeah. And there were, I think it was, it was one where they did two shows. First show, I think, had people. Second show had two people. Yes. And then, so we we all go, and we're like, they're like, we're doing the show. These people paid, and we're like, yeah, well, let's do the show, whatever. And then, so we all go and stand. On the stage, as close to the, they're on the second, like row, like you know, there's That's the right. first there's level, the first and this, row with tables and chairs, and then you go up a bit. You go up like, like three bar, stairs, and there's like a booth, and they're up there, yeah. and so it's just kind of like, all right, well, so I remember st we all stood like close. <laughs> what was it like if you're there, front left, just as close as we could, and then we're just like, and they they were really nice, and we're just like, all right, you know, we're doing the thing, it, kind of acknowledging the absurdity of doing stand up for two, for two people. people. And we're kind of like, and you were headlining, you know, doing at least headlining. 20. You, you did more time at the end than the rest of us, so it is legit headlining. You did more. It wasn't a showcase. You did more time at the end. Okay. It was scheduled out that way, and so we're all kind of standing in the back. And then we, you know, and you walked, you know, it was the, they do plays there, so we were able to walk in from the back. You weren't back there. You were next to us, uh, you know, towards the entrance. And you just walked by us and literally went and sat in front of these people. Literally, like... I think I sat at the booth. 
three feet from them. Yeah. Three feet from their table. Something like that, yeah. And we're like, like, well, you walk by us, and we're just like, wait. It, like, it started to click, like, what's he doing? And it's like, oh, shit, he just went and sat down in front of them. And so obviously no need for a microphone. <laughs> it, it couldn't reach out that far anyways. And you just, like, sat down, like, leaned on the booth. <laughs> and then we're like, like, we all, like, and you started, you know, you're just like, hey, you guys, thanks for coming out. Like, it. And we all like me, Thomas, and all you know the other comics there. We're all we're all just like, oh, fuck, we gotta watch that. Like we're like we're gonna watch it regardless. Like if you want to stage, we're gonna watch it. But we're like we kind of started to sit. We don't want to sit too close, right? Because this was you and th- this was you and those two people, right? And this was good. We just knew this was this was amazing. It was somewhere between like being a waiter and like a double date whose yeah. date didn't show up. <laughs> so I just kind of have to sit there and kind of make time. And it was. And we're all, we, we, I remember fucking laughing my goddamn ass off. Yeah. And you're just, we're just enjoying it. We're all, we all sat like, you know, 15, 20 feet away just to be like, we have so to, funny. we want to watch this and enjoy it. But this is for them. This is yeah. Aaron's gift to them. <laughs> and so like, you know, I, I love telling people that, that, yeah. you know, I saw that, you know, I saw someone do 20 minutes, at least 20 minutes for two people that paid to be at a show. And that's why like you always do the show. And, but also, it's like any show I've done, I'm just kind of like, fuck, if Aaron can do 20 minutes for two people, <laughs> I can do whatever time I'm supposed to do for, you know, I'm like, are there more than two people there? Then I'm, I'm doing the fucking show, it's, and I'm going to be grateful for it because I'm there. And, you know, the, the, cir- the circumstances can't always be you're going to go literally stand in front of it. Luckily, is Pocket Sandwich Theater. It's a theater. You can it's do a that. Small theater, yeah. It's a very, very small theater. No waiter's going to be walking right. in between you, which actually would have been kind of funny. It would have been but, funny, yeah. but but one of the cool things about the pocket was that it was always a place you could do an extra set after you'd already performed at Hyenas yeah. or the back door. So in my mind, um, and the crowds not were, to cheapen it or whatever, but it was it was always, it was it was low stakes in that mm. the crowds were good and you could be way more playful. Experimental. Yeah. You didn't have to get up there and be a joke machine. And I'd already gotten a few satisfying sets earlier that evening, so now let me kind of cut loose. Let me try something a little bit different. Yeah. So those were always some uh, fun shows. Like at the Pocket, but also West End Comedy Theater way back in the day, or even the late shows at the Improv or whatever. They're, they're, I, it's so funny that you that sticks out to you. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's... A, there's a ridiculousness to a situ to the situation where if there's reality, reality is always going to be funnier than any stupid joke that I came up with. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if something happens organically in a club or whatever, rolling with it is only going to be hopefully great. You know what I mean? Um, and then performing for small groups of people, it's disappointing, but it happens. And it happens a lot. And I've also tried to headline shows out of town where I'm there for a Wednesday through Saturday and I'm supposed to headline the Wednesday. And they're like, yeah, you, know, you drove five hours. Sorry, we, we have 11 people. Our cutoff is 12. If we had 12, we could have a show. I'm like, why didn't you guys tell me? Why didn't you guys work harder? Why didn't you tell me what to do to yeah. help get people here? You know, like, why, why did I drive the five, six hours to find out that we're not going to have a show because two more people aren't here? One more person isn't here. Um, so I've lived through all of that. If somebody's willing to sit, you know, it, it'd been different if it was their attitude too. Like, why are we the only ones here? 
Yeah. Boy, this sucks. They sat through everybody. They loved it. Yeah. So they could have easily just been like, oh, there's no, we're the only people here. We're going to go. And I think the club would have been like, we yeah, understand. Yeah. Here's your refund comics. So, no show. so the artificiality yeah. of the stage and the lights and the microphone and all that kind of stuff just seemed really preposterous. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you just go talk to Yeah. Look at all this. It's literally three of us right now. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Which I, almost makes like almost anything you say, you know, f- hilarious because you're already in a ridiculous situation. Yes. The comics are outnumbering the comedian and the crowd. It always, I mean, I've done a number of those things. I once did a, a thing in a, I was booked to do regular gigs at um, a casino where it wasn't like in the big showroom, but like in this hotel area where there's a bar, let's do some stand up and whatever. Oh, yeah. And I just remember how pathetic it was because I'd done it a few times and you get some laughs and eventually, you know, you get to be friends with the staff, <laughs> you know, the bartender yeah. and everything. Um, but uh, this one particular time, there was like maybe two people, three people paying attention at the bar, maybe one random person over there, and then my mom and stepdad. Oh. They made the drive. And so now I have to do a headlining set oh, God. in front of my mother and stepfather and these two people who don't know that these, this other couple is related to me. And in a situation like that, people think that it's a conversation, not a show. So now I'm being heckled and I've got to shut him down. I'm going to do whatever. <laughs> and now my mom is like, hey, let him talk. I'm like, thanks, mom. You know, it's like oh. stand up is an amazing place to uh, work out your deepest fears. <laughs> um, you want to talk about um, not aversion therapy, but what is it called when like uh, – um, you're just going to be so inundated with the thing that you can't help but like if you be trapped immersion? in immersion immersion yeah, therapy. Yeah. So if you're afraid of rejection, if you're afraid of being um, your your um, uh, lesser qualities being pointed out or you know made fun of, if you're self conscious, if you're worried about your hair, your weight, your whatever, stand up is this amazing. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to put it. You have to face those fears head on. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's a, it's a way of getting over yourself. It's a way of kind of putting your those kind of self conscious feel, feelings, those fears, on hold. I don't know if everybody's like that. I know it's like that for me, where it's just like you want to go through the di- uh, the day polite. You don't want to ruffle too many feathers. If there's something that you can say to liven up a situation, sure. But I'm not out there to in day-to-day life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And um, on stage, it's a very freeing, knowing, knowing that you can communicate those thoughts, knowing that they'll be appreciated, knowing that people will laugh at them and validate and all that kind of stuff. Um it, it, I don't know, it'll make you crazy or it'll help you. It'll help you be less self-conscious. It'll make you feel better, more confident about yourself, you know? Sure as for me. I, like, I was maybe an introvert. Yeah. I started doing stand-up, and now I'm just, like, hell, like, <laughs> I was talking to someone last night about, uh, like, the job I have. Uh, I have to talk to people, like, strangers every day. Yes. And uh, I, I, was, I did a couple open mics last night, and I was talking to a comic, and I was like, they're talking about, it was like a job interview. And he's like, oh, yeah, I don't. And I'm like, I'm not mentioning. I do stand-up. I was like, the job I have now, I made sure to mention that because yeah. it helped with them. Like, I have to talk to random people all the time. 
I told them I did stand up. <laughs> and I'm like, if anything, and I think it helped me get the job. I, I think it's funny. It, it's come up before. I remember years ago, I went on a, an interview and my resume is all in order, portfolio is all in order. And then we had a three person, like three of them. It was like it was like a reverse show at the at the pocket. Mm. Three of them, you know, <laughs> grilling me. And um, it was almost like they couldn't contain themselves. All right, so before we let you go, oh god, we found some stuff on Google, and we were wondering if you could help us understand. Like now, I got to have that whole conversation. And there's a part of me at the time that feels like, oh, they're going to think that I'm not dedicated to here. They'll think oh, that because I've had, you do stand because I do yeah. stand up, or I'm not going to be as available because I'm spend my nights here, or he's going to come in drunk, or he's going to come in hungover, yeah. or he's going to come in late, and he's going to come in like there's all these reasons in my mind why that might be um, a reason to not hire me, you know. And the more and more I thought about it, and especially how I was able to use a lot of those skills I developed in meetings, client presentations. You know, being able to be entertaining with some of the driest, you know, material or getting people excited about stuff that they normally wouldn't be all that excited about. Um, I totally see it as an asset. And like we were talking about before with any kind of success in stand up, how it's all self motivated. There is no boss. There's nobody that says you got to get out there. Yeah. You know, um, unless you're a teenage comics dad. Yes. Um, <laughs> there's nobody. That, <laughs> There's nobody who says you have to have this many new jokes and I want to see a new 10 minutes. Yeah. There's, you have to do it. And you have to do it because you want to do it before anybody's going to pay you to do it. And um, anyway, I'm just rambling, but forget did you, it. Did you get that job? Oh, I ended up getting that. Wait, job. so did they? They found stuff. And they found it, and you know, what did they I, want I, you to explain? But, 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 but again, what it's like. What does that mean? What's your life? How, how, how does that work out? Again, a lot of questions that don't normally come up in a job interview because they don't, they're not supposed to ask personal things, but yeah. you put it out there. Yeah. You have a so tour it's not schedule. Real, it's not you, personal anymore. Yeah. Exactly. So the benefits of it, though, being. Did you invite them to a show? You should have. Some people would... did eventually over time. Oh, okay. You know, would come out and, yeah. and stuff like that. And some people would come out to the improv. Some people came out to House of Blues. Some, like mm -hmm. people had no frame of reference. You know, like some friends of mine, like I remember the really shitty open mics. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then other coworkers are like, like House of Blues yeah, is pretty normal. Huh? I'm like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> um, you got one of the good ones. You got one of the good ones. Yeah. But but being able to think on your feet, being able to think creatively, being able to uh, um, contribute to a brainstorm. I don't know how many brainstorms I sat in where everybody's just sitting there like dazed, stunned. And I'm like. I thought we were creatives. Why, yeah. <laughs> why, why, why can't we? Why can't we just generate some ideas here? Why can't we have? Why can't this be fun? And whether you've taken, and I, I, you know, I took four day weekend improv training. There was a time where it was just all about classes. Like I loved it. Whether it was Dean's class or work, uh, a voiceover workshop, or uh, improv through four day weekend or whatever. Like I always valued that time. Like I was paying to go play. For like an hour or two or three hours a week or whatever it was and I was getting to hang out with people I never would have met otherwise yeah. who were all somehow similarly in, 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 in this frame of mind of looking for the funny and, and wanting to help each other it was like and when you experience that and, and even 
open mics and comedy shows where you eventually start making friendships because you're like, I like what that person does on stage and I like who they are off stage and they're easy to talk to. And you develop these friendships and it becomes a very fertile um, uh, landscape for all sorts of creativity. You know, it, w when you're in it, you can't help but think of more material and how to add things and make things better and add bits and all that kind of stuff. And it makes it all the more frustrating when you go back to the mundane reality day job and you know you spend all weekend yes anding you know people and you're like all right so what are we going to develop and like no we can't do that <laughs> and you're like i thought we could no we can't do that and you're like all right so then it feels like drudgery why is your boss george carlin and well, there's that <laughs> all right man well i know you got family and everything we yeah. talked a lot I yeah knew, i really didn't think we'd have this much to talk about oh <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> All right, man. Oh, I appreciate it, dude. You're definitely uh I I didn't know how long until I was going to like hit up comedians to start, you know, cuz yeah. I I like to I do this to do interviews. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, ah, it's, I don't want to be another comedian with another comedy podcast cuz you get so many comedians in a podcast. You realize comedians that do comedy related podcasts, they seem to do like four of them. And just like rebrand and do something else with another comedian. Oh, I was I'm just like, talking about that to somebody else. Like, it, I'm like, I, can y'all stick? Like, with this, it's me interviewing people, and I'm like, that's it. That's all it needs to be, and I can just keep doing it in perpetuity, and it doesn't have to be anything more than that. I feel <laughs> I don't need a gimmick. I can't catch up on anything. Like, I can't catch up yeah. on news. I can't catch up on pop culture. Yeah. Um, I don't watch everything that it feels like everybody else, except for Loki. Um, <laughs> Um. All right, we gotta scratch that part because I totally. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. What were we just talking about? Comedians scratch doing comedy podcast. The podcast. Ad infinitum. Ad infinitum. This is how long the day's been. I was up at six o'clock. <laughs> oh shit. Um. But yeah, it's like I, I fall. Uh, <laughs> Sounds so tired. Uh, Fall behind on TV shows, fall behind on movies, fall, and podcasts is like even worse because like, there's always a couple that I want to explore. There's always a couple that you know I subscribe to and I want to hear, but then like I don't listen. Then all of a sudden there's twenty, fifty new episodes right. or whatever yeah. it is. And then just like you were saying, you know, you, I'm sure every comedian has entertained the thought, and I'm glad that you're doing it. Uh, but like, I could have a podcast, I could you know whatever. But then it seems like such an again another uh, monumental um, commitment of time energy resources you know if you want to do anything consistent yeah. if you want to do anything that's going to you know grow an audience or whatever and then you find out like you just said yeah and then listen to this other podcast they do with so-and-so where we tackle blah 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 and then i've got this other topic talk like, about grilled like, cheese sandwiches what I'm else like, could you pause it? like like here i am thinking i don't have time for one podcast yeah and everybody else has got like 10 You're like okay that's why with this i'm like well what do people like to talk about themselves yeah. and I can facilitate that and then talk about myself off and on through that yeah and then we all benefit yeah, again yeah, yeah. and then maybe after this one I'll have reached over 100 downloads that'll be and awesome <laughs> more power yeah for so. all podcasts combined not like for a single <laughs> one no I'm, no obviously I I'm doing this just to get a back I'm, I'm just basically cataloging my life I'm like I've met a lot of interesting people I need to do so. I need to do something about that. Yeah. Like not they're they're. It's great to know these interesting people and interact with them and talk to them when I do. But I'm just kind of like, 
I need to get some of this down on, uh, I guess, digital paper. And then it's amazing how much. And stuff, podcasting is so easy to do these days. It, so. But but it's amazing how much it just disappears. Yeah. You know. So I'm I'm glad people can record, share stories, all that kind of stuff. I appreciate you asking me. Uh, I was thinking about it too earlier when you asked me to do this. Like, and I also appreciate all those other shows that you had done throughout Fort Worth and whatever you you know thought to include me. I really appreciate oh, that yeah. too. It's it's nice not having to do many of them. Yeah. Not many, not many comics are hitting me up these days. Just because at the level I book, they're just not on the road willy nilly like they yeah. used to, and they're not free willing it. Right. Like they, now, it's just like I need a little bit more money before I just go on the road and. Everybody's reevaluating. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Well, nah. that's why I'm okay just booking like you know Eddie Pepitone that he sells tickets so. All right, that show has already passed, but oh, okay. <laughs> that was easy. He's out on tour with JT. Yeah, I know. Which you will be, uh, I'll put this up definitely before October, but you will be at the Altercation I'll Comedy be there. Fest. Yes, I'm so excited. Which I, I love when com- comic buddies, like, because like, JT is who I owe all, like, having booked all these comics at Main of Southside over all these years, mm. they all come through JT. Mm. And uh, him and Stand Up Records, which mm. your album is released on. And just meeting all these people, him putting on Altercation Fest, and just him and his massive network, and me letting, uh, being able to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And then also, I, I now I'm just kind of like you, like seeing you and JT. Like, I've never, I don't think I've had you on the same show. No, I don't think we've but, done it. Yeah. You know, but obviously, you know, you you have Dan in common, you know, and y'all probably know plenty of other other comics. I don't even remember when we met. He's just one of those guys that all of a sudden we know. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm, I know I've done shows with him, but I've also, I've actually done a lot of artwork for him, too. And you just mentioned Eddie Pepitone, who I love mm-hmm. as well. I think he's Did you do comic. that? No, you did the Altercation Fest artwork, right? Or no, no, no. I did the... You the, did the Pepitone they stuff, just did the They just announced their Pandora's Box tour, Eddie Pepitone oh, okay. and JT. Yeah. So I just did the graphic that's going to be on their posters and shirts. And stuff oh, okay. Like that's the one the, they'll... Uh, yeah, and they'll be through... They'll be in Dallas in November. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Yeah, that'll, yeah. Be, that'll be fun. But yeah, man, I was happy to be like, yeah, I did the art for that and... Yeah, because the flyer was put up in the in the, in the. Are you in the bad comedy flyers Facebook group? I used to be. I don't seem to it's, see that one as much. Yeah, yeah, there's no rhyme or reason. But somebody put the it's the flyer with all the names on there, <laughs> and like JT's like, yeah, it's my flyer. He's like, I get it. It's it's just a shit ton of words and everything. But it's like it, some people post in that group, but I'm just kind of like, all right, this is. You gotta have a flyer of the fest with all the fucking names on there. Right. It's th- this flyer's in a few places. I'm like, there's no, there's no point in putting that in there because <laughs> it's like that, put posting a. Yeah, it's that's really not the stupid. flyer for the show. That's yeah. a poster with all the performers yeah. on it, and every festival I know of does a version of something like they that. They have multiple posters. What, yes. One, all well, the basic information. You're throwing some big names there. Right. And many more. Right. And then. God forbid there's an image, not a poster, not a physical thing, an image with all the information on there. So all those little people, like when you watch credits at the end of a movie, all those little people can feel good about yeah. themselves. Look at what I'm included in. Look yeah. at it, and then you got to shit on it because it's a bunch of names. Yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah, let's, let's outlaw credits. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, cool. And then and then what does art mean? <laughs> and then art really is for fun and can't be made for profit. Never. Anyways. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you I appreciate carving it. out some time. Yeah, thank you. Busy schedule. All right, man. Thank you much. Bye, anyone listening. <laughs>